2: Hey everybody! Good afternoon, and it's Monica with you for another episode of Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, or Arts, as we call it, for short. And uh, the Sunday is spelled like a Sunday that you would eat. So <clears throat> while you're uh, in here listening to to the show, you just think about. It what kind of Sunday you want to put together and have have each show be whatever flavor you want <laughs> and uh anyway i've kind of decided to today to call this episode assorted chocolates because i didn't really have anything for it i just decided to put together a bunch of good shows and um uh, so that I thought you would enjoy shows that I enjoy, and so I thought you would, and at least I hope you will. And there's several ways you can listen to us. You can listen to us um, on uh, YouTube. You can listen to us on FaceTime. Um, <clears throat> you can follow us on Twitter, but you can't listen to us on. Twitter for some reason that's gotten broken and uh, but if you don't like listening to us on any of those kind of ways you can find us on whatever podcast player you want Spotify or Anchor or Qcast or Apple iPod uh, Apple Podcast However you want to listen to us We're out there So have a ball And um, leave us comments uh, At the end of the show I'll show you how to Tell you how to do that um, Leave us comments And um, Give us suggestions And Or tell us What you should suggest That we don't do <laughs> but anyway, I'm always glad to hear from you, no matter what it is. So um, sit back and enjoy the show. The first show that I'm going to do for you is uh, oh, by the way, my my guru Victor, he's here with me. He's he's so quiet. But the first show that I'm going to do for you is uh, he's a he's a kind of PI guy. He's called the Falcon. Um there's really nothing all that significant about him. He's just another one. And uh just like in old time radio land, there's a jillion of them out there. But uh this one, uh, by the Falcon is called Murder is a Family Affair. So have a good time, folks.
3: Use Jim Blade. Use gem blades. Use gem blades. Gem Razors and Gem Blades present The Adventures of the Falcon. Hello? Yes, this is the Falcon. Oh, Nancy, I'm glad you called. What's on the program for tonight? Well, it sounds like an awfully dead evening, baby. But you can never tell. Tomorrow there may be morning. Once again, gem blades, the razor blades that help you avoid five o'clock shadow, bring you the adventures of the Falcon. The Falcon, as you know, is Michael Waring, freelance detective, who's always ready with a hand for oppressed men and an eye for repressed women. So join him tonight when the Falcon learns, murder is a family affair. It's a rainy Tuesday evening in New York, and the city streets are deserted, save for a dark red convertible, which is parked at the curb. And at the wheel sits Brenda Sinclair, fondling her pet Pekingese, Wang Poole.
4: Now, oh, now, no,
5: baby, don't be impatient. Daddy's going to meet us shortly. Then you and Mama are going to go far, far away where nasty men can't find us. Hello, Brenda. Oh, Kenny, darling. Have you been waiting long? It seemed like years.
3: That's just the way I felt in that hallway. Ray. Oh, hello, Sinclair. Fancy meeting you here. I thought I warned you to stay away from my wife. Brenda doesn't care about you. She hasn't for years.
5: Ray, I'm leaving you. Really? Kenny and I are going away on a little trip.
3: Maybe Kenny is, Brenda, but not you.
5: Ray, put away that gun.
3: What's the idea, Sinclair? I warned you to stay away from my wife, Kenny, but you wouldn't listen. Ray! Maybe this is the only language you can understand. Ray,
6: don't! (laughs) Don't!
3: judgment of this court that you be confined to state state's penitentiary, and on the night of November 27th, you shall be electrocuted there, as provided for by state law. And may God have mercy on your soul. Us, Hello, Mike. Fancy. Hello, Ray. Ray. Uh, have Have you heard anything yet?
5: You better tell him, Mike.
3: Ray, we we just got back from seeing the governor. Bad news. I'm sorry, now. I wasn't very hopeful. No matter how you put it, I I still killed a man in cold blood. Well. We Sinclairs never did that much luck with our women anyway. At least you'll be glad to know your brother Danny broke the jinx. Ah, oh, good for him. Too bad I never got a chance to meet his wife. Look, what do you think of her, Nancy?
5: Gloria is all right.
3: Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Danny deserves the bestie. He's a good kid. One in a million. He and Gloria are waiting at my apartment. Mike, I wonder if you'd do me a great favor. You don't have to ask, Gray. I'm a little worried about Danny. I'm afraid he may go off the deep end after this. You know, he always felt that Brenda was responsible for this mess. I understand. He's just a kid, Mike. He's got screwy ideas. Will you keep an eye on him? It's a promise. Mike, well, what time almost, is it? Almost nine. <laughs> they say the last 60 minutes are the toughest thing. A cigarette. Oh sure. Have one, Nancy. Yes, please. No, not three on a match. (laughs) Mike, you're you're going to stick around
7: for me.
5: I'd like you to very much. Oh, back already?
3: Yes, it's all over, Gloria.
5: I know we heard the flash on the radio. Where's Danny? In the living room.
3: How's he taking it?
5: Not so good, Mike. If he'd only yell or cry, I could understand it. But he just sits there and looks at the wall. He won't even talk to me. Hello, Danny. Hello.
3: How's the boy? Great. Danny, I... I can't tell you... Mike.
5: Mike, maybe Danny would like some coffee.
3: Oh, that's a swell idea, darling. Why don't you make some? No, don't bother, Nancy.
5: Danny, for heaven's sake, stop it.
3: I'm sorry, Gloria.
5: Danny, you've got to stop tormenting yourself. We know what you're going through.
3: No, I don't think you do, Nancy. Uh, Mike, did you make all the funeral arrangements? Uh, no, you see, kid, it, it was kind of taken out of my hands. Oh, well, what do you mean? Your sister-in-law, Brenda, claimed the body. Oh, good old Brenda. She doesn't miss a trick, does she? I hope there were plenty of sob sisters around to catch her act.
5: Yes, she ought to get a headline out of it.
3: And without any effort. All right, Danny, spill it. What have you got on your mind? Murder. Danny. That's right, Gloria. I got an appointment with, a, with Brenda tonight. And I'm afraid she doesn't know about it yet.
5: Danny, you're not being funny.
8: I didn't intend it to be. Why
5: don't you get wise to yourself? What? It's time you grew up. Try to be a man for a change and not a, a sniveling brat.
8: Oh,
3: I'm glad to find out what you think of me, Gloria.
5: Oh, Danny, don't you see she's only telling you that for your own good. Oh, don't argue with him, Nancy. It isn't worth the effort. He'll go along all his life feeling sorry for himself, wondering why everybody picks on him. I've seen kids of ten with more stuff than he's got.
3: Anything else you'd care to add?
5: No, I've said my piece, Danny. Anytime you want to go, it's perfectly all right with me.
3: Thanks for your permission, dear. Mike, don't let him. Danny, where'd you get that gun? It's yours. I got it out of your desk drawer. Let me have it. I'm sorry, friend. No can do. Danny, I want you to give me that gun. (laughs) Now, Mike, you've been swelling me, so please don't make me do something I'll be sorry for. I'll stay where you are. Are you going to give me that gun? (laughs) I'll come closer next time, Mike.
5: Danny, listen to me.
3: I have, Gloria, and I've taken it very much to heart. Oh, I'm just a kid making big talk, am I? Well, watch me change to a man of action. Well, now we have to worry about Danny and hope he'll realize that Brenda's not worth shooting. Well, there isn't anything I can do about that. But here's something I can do to help a lot of you who have five o'clock shadow. I can tell you that nine times out of ten men will stay face-neat right around the clock by shaving the gem way. That is, with a gem razor and a genuine gem blade. I know it takes a definite effort on your part to change your shaving method, but I promise you that if you shave the gem way, your effort will be repaid every day of your life. Gem razors are again available at your dealers. Get one if you haven't one already, and begin immediately to enjoy gem's famous features such as the clever face-fitting bevel, which compels you to use the Master Barber's long, gliding stroke. And, too, you'll like the way the super keen gem blade gets the beard at skin level. So close, clean, and comfortable. So try the gem way, won't you? Avoid five o'clock shadow with a gem razor and gem blades. Back to the adventures of the Falcon. It's a few minutes later, and in Mike's apartment, the Falcon and Gloria listen anxiously while Nancy makes a call. Well, Nancy?
5: Oh, the operator couldn't give me the number, Mike. Now, how are you going to warn Brenda? I really don't see why you people are so concerned. Danny won't do anything.
3: You're wrong, Gloria.
5: Look, Mike, I'm married to him, I know how he reacts. Why, Danny could no more kill her than I could. Basically, he's just a sweet kid.
3: Just a sweet kid bent on murder.
5: Well, then, you think he meant what he said? Every word. Well, well then why don't you do something?
3: I'm trying to, Gloria. Now, let me think. Now,
5: you do that, Mike, but I'm not going to sit around and wait any longer. I'm going after Danny. Gloria, come back here.
3: Let her go, darling. It'll give her something to occupy her mind.
5: But shouldn't we phone the police or, or something?
3: I'd rather not. If it ever gets out that Danny's gunning for his sister-in-law, it'll make a Roman holiday for the newsboys.
5: Well, what do you think Danny will be doing meanwhile? In case you've forgotten, darling, that boy is wired for sound.
3: And suppose we attempt a little short-circuiting. Maybe we can still beat him to our apartment. Get your coat, baby. It's worth a try.
5: You did, Miss Brenda, didn't you, baby? Hmm? Come on, let's see who it is, darling. Oh, it's you, De Silva. What do you want?
3: How can I talk to you when all the time you got that lousy dog in your lap?
5: Don't speak that way about Wang Poo.
3: Excuse me, please. Brenda, in the last month you borrowed close to 12 grand from me.
5: You'll get your money back.
3: Sure. But when, Brenda.
5: Any day, as soon as they settle Ray's estate.
3: I got news for you, darling.
5: What are you talking about?
3: Papa didn't leave you a cent.
5: (laughs) How do you know? It's my business to know. He's a dirty double-crosser, and after I gave him the best years of my life.
3: Hmm. You know, for a smart dame, Brenda, you don't use your head so good. Twelve grand don't mean so much to the silver. You like me to call him off, huh?
5: What's the catch, De Silva? You never gave away anything in your life.
3: No catch. Just marry me.
5: <laughs> Are you kidding? You could do worse. Why, you fat slob, I wouldn't have you for all the gold in your teeth. For a thing <laughs> who's in
3: hockey, you're awful fussy.
5: Don't make me laugh. Now go on, get out.
3: You want to watch your mouth, girlie? Nobody ever talks to De Silva like that.
5: Are you threatening me, you big ape? Come on in. Hello, Brenda. Oh. Why, Sugar Plum, this is a surprise. It was awfully sweet of you to call. Isn't it sweet of me, too? Oh, Nancy, I didn't see you. Are we
3: interrupting something?
5: No, nothing important. Mr. Silver was just leaving, weren't you, fat
1: sir?
3: I'll be a little joke. <laughs> Maybe when you think him over,
5: all, they won't be so funny. <laughs> oh, there, 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 darling. The nasty man frighten Mama's baby. Isn't she sweet, Michael? Hmm. She's pedigreed, you know. Takes after her mother, doesn't she? Yeah. What did you mean by that crack? You're exactly what you girls, think I mean. Girls, Well, girls. Nancy never liked me, Michael. You were the only one who ever understood me.
3: Yes.
1: Why, Sugar Plum.
3: Oh, come now, Brenda. This is Sugar Plum, remember? He knew you when.
5: Very funny. Well, what do you want? I don't suppose you came around to offer your condolences.
3: No, but I came around to offer some advice. Your brother-in-law, Danny's gunning for you.
5: Look, Mike, if that's all you've got to say, you can beat it. Little Brenda can look after herself. All right, darling, let's go. Okay. Oh, uh, Sugar Plum. Huh? Did Ray leave all his money to Danny? Why? Nothing. It just dawned on me that my brother-in-law isn't such a kid as that. He's got possibilities. The right woman could do a lot for him. Maybe the right woman could. But if I were you, I'd forget it, Brenda. Hmm. But then you're not me, dear. Because what I've forgotten, you'll never learn.
0: Good night, you lovely people.
5: Oh, Oh, there, 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 sweet. I come to Mama. That's the sweet thing. Mama's little baby was so hungry, and I'm going... To... All right, all right, I'm coming. Danny, darling, I'm so glad you dropped in.
3: Nothing could keep me away.
9: Here, let
5: me take your
3: coat. Never mind.
5: Now, Danny, don't be mean to Brenda. Now the poor Ray's gone, that just the two of us left. We've got to look out for one of... Me. Danny... Danny, put away that gun.
3: As soon as I finished.
5: You're frightening, Wang Po. What about you? Danny, you've got to believe me. It wasn't my fault. You're
3: quite fooled.
5: You're crazy, Danny. You're crazy. You'll never get away with it. They'll fry you like they did Ray.
1: I don't think so.
5: Danny, please, please... I'm worried. But there's
3: no reason to be, Nancy.
5: When I think of Danny roaming the streets with a gun, I... Well,
3: don't you worry about Brenda. That baby can take care of herself.
5: And don't you know
3: her? Yes, and don't I know... (coughs) And just
5: how well did you know her before she met Ray, darling?
3: Ah, saved by the bell. Come in.
10: Mike.
5: Mike, did you find Danny?
3: No, didn't you?
5: No, I, I looked everywhere. I even went up to Brenda's apartment.
3: Well? There was
5: no answer. Mike, I'm scared.
3: But there's nothing to be scared about. Oh, excuse me. Hello, Falcon. Yes. This is Johnny Gleason down at headquarters. Oh, hi, Sergeant. How's Tricks? Well, uh, outside of a couple of twinges in my back, I can't complain. Say, um, Falcon, you were a friend of Ray Sinclair, weren't you? That's right. Then it might interest you to learn that murder runs in the family. What are you babbling about? Danny just knocked off his sister in law. No. There must be some mistake. There's no mistake. He tried to kill himself afterwards, but he lost his nerve. Listen, Gleason. Hold everything. I'm coming right down. Take your time, Falken. There's no hurry. The way it looks now, your friend's going to be with us for a long, long time. <laughs> Now, check me if I'm wrong, Danny. After you pulled the rod, your sister in law tried to move away from you. That's right. Whereupon you made a couple of more speeches and then you let fly at her. What'd you do after that? I turned the gun on myself. Then you passed out? Yes, sir. Well, I think that takes care of everything. Now, if you'll just sign this. Oh, now what? At least tell him to let me in. All right, George. Hello, Danny. Hello, Mike. How do you feel? Oh, all right, I guess. I want you to tell me exactly what happened. If you don't mind, Falcon, I was here first. Now, go ahead, kid. Sign it. Now, what's that? His confession. Hold it, Danny. Gleason, have you seen Charlie DeSilva? You mean the Lone Shark? Yes. He had a fight with Brenda tonight. She was in Hawk to him. I heard all about it. We had him on the carpet an hour ago. How come you let him go without informing me? Look, Falcon, I was under the impression the new mayor's name was O'Dwyer. Well, can't you give me a little time to get all the angles? Why do you want to give the kid false hopes? We know who killed the dame. He admits it. He's right, Mike. Yeah, and this is the gun you used, ain't it? Yes, sir, I took it from Mike's apartment. Let's see that. Anything to waste time. Yes, that's mine. Only when he took it, it was fully loaded. Say, wait a minute, Danny. How many shots did you fire at Brenda? One. And one at yourself, is that right? Yes. And before you left my place, you took a pot shot at me. Oh, he did, did he? Now, that's not the point, Gleason. How many shots in all does that make? Uh, don't tell me. Uh, uh, three. All right, Einstein. Look at this chamber. There are four exploded shells in there. How do you explain that? It's easy. He shot the girl twice. Did you find two slugs in her? Well, no. Then what happened to the other bullet? It... Went wild? No, it didn't. I only shot her once, and then I turned the gun on myself. You're lying. Use your head, Gleason. He's admitted killing her. What motive would he have to lie about that missing bullet? It must be somewhere in her room. Did any of your boys find it? What was the point of looking? And you can't have any objections if I do. Falcon, will you stop trying to complicate matters? Come on, Sergeant. Be a sport. Give me an hour to look over Brenda's apartment. If I can't find the shell by that time, I'll advise Danny to sign the confession. There'll be no more horsing around? I give you my word. Okay, here's the key.
5: What hour have we got left?
3: About 20 minutes.
5: Well, we'll have to work a lot faster.
3: Well, there's one sure thing. That slug isn't anywhere on this floor. No. Suppose we try to reconstruct what happened. How? I'll play Danny and you play Brenda.
5: Oh, this ought to be fun. What do I do?
3: Well, according to Danny's story, he was standing over by the sofa. Mm-hmm. Now, you back away from me as if you were afraid.
5: You mean like, like this?
3: Oh, that's perfect. I pull out the gun.
5: Mike, put that thing away. It's all
3: right, dear. I just want to make this as realistic as possible. Well,
5: let's not overdo it. You don't have to point it at
3: me. Don't haggle, Nancy. Get on with your act. Pretend you're Brenda. Now, what would you say?
5: Um, um now, you wouldn't shoot poor little me. Now, would you, sugarplum?
3: I certainly will if you continue with that Sugar Plum routine. Where'd you pick that up? From Brenda. Oh.
5: The question is, where did she pick it up?
3: Now, darling, stick to your script. Where were we? Oh, yes. You just finished pleading for your life.
5: And it's availed me nothing.
3: Right, so now I shoot. Bang! Am I dead? Very. Just crumpled gracefully to the floor. Ah, that's the way.
5: (sighs) How do I look as a corpse? Not so good. Oh, and I thought I gave a wonderful performance.
3: No. No, something's missing.
5: Did I leave out a sugar plum?
3: Say, wait a minute. I think I've got it. Sure, you know what's wrong with this picture. You didn't have. Mike. I heard it. Maybe someone's coming in here. Just stay quiet. Hello, De Silva. Huh? I said hello. Now shut the door and come in. <coughs> what are you doing here? Since one, I gotta answer your questions. Might be smart if you did. See this? Oh, pour that rod right away, Falk. You're not frightening anybody. Uh,
5: except me.
3: Nancy, phone Sergeant Gleason. Tell him I'm taking De Silva over to my apartment. Ask him to bring Danny there.
5: But, Mike, isn't that highly irregular?
3: Highly. But then, dear, this is a most unconventional murder. You know something, Falcon. I got a hunch you're going to be very sorry about this. And I got a hunch, DeSilver, you may be right. Nancy, that must be Sergeant Gleason. Will you let him in?
5: Mm-hmm. Hello, Sergeant. Hiya, Nancy. Oh, and you brought a friend along. How huh, nice. Hiya, Nancy. Fine. Guess he's here? What? Gloria. <laughs> Gloria. Honey. Danny, darling. Oh. Now, don't ogle Gleason. It's not polite. Oh, Sergeant, I believe you know Mr. DeSilva.
3: We've met. Mm. Nancy, will you lock the door, please?
5: Certainly. Um... What will I do with the key?
3: Put it where no one can get it.
5: I know just the place. Hey, don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, Sergeant. It slipped.
3: Very comical. I know a good one, too. Suppose I tossed you all in the clink. Relax, Gleason. I'll tell you why Nancy did that. It better be good. It is. The killer of Brenda Sinclair is in this room. You don't have to tell me I brought him here. Well, if you did, he's not getting out alive.
1: What are you talking about?
3: Why do you think I had Nancy lock that door? You expect to sweat a confession out of someone? More than that, Gleason. Give me half an hour and that someone will be sweating blood. This time it'll be his own. Well, all I can say is that the Falcon's going to find it slightly grim if he doesn't make good. You know, that's one thing that never worries me when I make statements about the gem way of shaving. Gem always makes good. And now the gem razors are once more available at all dealers. More men than ever before can shave the gem way and so avoid five o'clock shadow. You know, of course, that to get the best out of your gem razor, you must use gem blades. They fit precisely, shave perfectly. Their super keen, deep wedge edge gets the beard at the base, clean and close. No topping the beard. No little islands of stubble left on your chin. You get incredibly close, smooth shaves which naturally last much longer. That's why we can say that a gem shave will keep your face socially acceptable right around the clock. So try the gem way of shaving. Avoid five o'clock shadow with a gem razor and gem blades. Now back to the adventures of the falcons. Twenty-five minutes have passed since Mike Waring made his promise to reveal the killer of Brenda Sinclair. And now in the Falcon's apartment. Well, how about it, folks? Anybody feel like confessing? How about you, DeSilva? They say it's good for the soul. You can go right... Easy, easy now, fellas. Look, Falcon, a joke's a joke. But... But what? Uh... If you don't open that door... I'm sorry, Gleason. You saw Nancy lose the key. No one's leaving until the murderer confesses. But Danny killed her, didn't you, kid? Well, I'm not so sure now. Say, what goes on here? Well, I only fired three shots out of that gun. So you did. But the chamber shows that four were fired. Maybe you'd like to know what happened to that missing bullet. Did you find it in Brenda's apartment, Falken? No. That's what put me on the right track. You didn't, so it did... Oh, why didn't I learn a trade? Try to visualize this scene, Sergeant. Because this is what must have happened after da- Danny shot Brenda. We know. She keeled over dead. That's just it. She wasn't dead then. That bullet didn't touch her. and know. Mine's crazy. No one ever saw Brenda unless she was carrying about that pet Pekingese of hers. Wang Pooh. It was the only thing she was fond of. So what? Well, that's where your missing bullet went. It hit the dog. What? That's right. And Brenda fainted from sheer fright, as anyone might. But Danny didn't know that. He turned the gun on himself. Next, our murderer enters. He sees Brenda and Danny out cold. So he takes the gun out of Danny's hand and pumps a shot into Brenda. And he exits. But not before he removes the dying dog. Why? He had to. Otherwise it would give the whole show away. Am I right, DeSilva? Oh, well, I know that. That's right, you wouldn't. And to think of it, you had no real motive to kill Brenda. You wanted either Brenda or the money you loaned her. Well, with her dead, you were out of luck on both counts. So if we want to find our killer, we'll have to look elsewhere for him.
5: Mike, you said him. Then our murderer is a man. Huh?
3: That was a figure of speech to her. It happens our killer is a woman. Isn't she, Gloria? Huh? That's right. She killed Brenda. What? The whole thing's crazy. I killed her. No, you only thought you did, Danny. Isn't that right, Gloria?
5: What am I supposed to do? Break down and confess?
3: It might help if you want to get out of here. I'm in
5: no hurry. I can stay all night. I hope your guest room is comfortable.
3: I'm afraid you'll never live to use it. I see you've got a band-aid on your hand. Is that where Wang Poo nipped you when you picked him up?
5: Uh, uh, uh. Will this go on much longer?
3: Not much. I had some of the blood on Brenda's carpet analyzed. It was dog's blood. And the vet told me that the hound had rabies, and whoever handled it was bound to get hydrophobia. Whoever have hydrophobia, Gloria? You're not frightening me. You must have gotten that bite around ten o'clock. That means the incubation period is almost over. Maybe a half hour more. They tell me unless you get to a doctor fast, it starts off with a burning sensation. By the way, Gloria, how does that hand feel? Kind of itchy, hmm?
5: Stop. Stop it, Mike. You're not funny.
3: There's an awful temptation to scratch it, isn't there? Better watch out for that, darling. That spreads the infection all the faster.
5: Cut it out. For heaven's sake, cut it out.
3: Why, Gloria, where are you going? That door's locked, remember? Let me out of here.
5: Let me out. I've got to get to a doctor, please. Please, let me out. (laughs) Michael. Mm Hmm? There wasn't any blood on Brenda's carpet. That's right. And that pooch didn't have rabies.
3: Of course not. was a nice touch, though, wasn't it?
5: Oh, lovely.
3: It just goes to prove what a terrible thing a guilty conscience can be.
5: Yes, but I still don't understand why Gloria killed Brenda.
3: Well, she didn't intend to originally. She thought Danny was going to do it for her. But when he fumbled the ball, she had to do the job herself.
5: I I don't follow you.
3: Well, Gloria knew the cops would grab Danny for the murder.
5: You mean she wanted to get rid of him?
3: That was her fondest desire. When Ray went to the chair, Danny became a rich kid. If anything happened to him...
5: His money would go to Gloria.
3: Natch. Could you ask for a better motive?
5: Then when she bawled Danny out before he left...
3: She was just trying to goad him on. Mm
5: -hmm. But, Mike... Now, darling, I've told you everything. Oh, no. There's one thing you forgot. What? Brenda called you Sugar Plum. How do you explain that?
3: Oh, Nancy, let's not go into that now. It's a long story. Oh,
5: but that's the kind I like best.
3: Come here, darling.
5: <laughs> now, hmm. Michael, stop. You're not going to get out of it like that.
3: I didn't intend to, dear. You wanted to hear the story of Brenda and Sugar Plum. Yes. Well, what you got just then was the uh, The Prologue. <laughs> Murder is a Grave Situation. Murder is a Grave Situation. That's the title of next week's Adventure of the Falcon, when Mike Waring learns that even those with double trouble can only die once. So be sure and listen next week at this same time to another gay, exciting Adventure of the Falcon. And in the meanwhile, avoid 5 o'clock shadow with a gem razor and gem blade. The Adventures of the Falcon are based on the famous character created by Drexel Drake. James Meehan was starred as the Falcon. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
2: The next show, y'all, is... um He's a favorite of mine. When I first started listening to him, I thought he was a PI or a detective, but he's not. Let George do it. He's whatever you want him to be, or whatever you need him to be. (laughs) So, uh, he tries to get his nose in whatever profession someone wants. And so, today, in this one uh he's trying to be a pig farmer (laughs) it's called um cousin jeff and the pigs
3: your neighborhood chevron gas station invites you to let george do it brought to you by the makers of climate tailored chevron supreme gasoline and rpm compounded motor oil george valentine got out of the army he had an idea and just enough money to set up a small office and put an ad in the paper offering his services as a dog walker a crime solver a wife spanker or whatever a client wants done so far he's met with fair success he's had plenty of clients but not all of them paid off that hasn't discouraged george he's an optimist right now he's striding up to the side door of his office the door that lets him into his private office without going through his waiting room Ah, good morning, Sonny. Sonny? Claire? Hey, where is everybody?
10: Oh, good morning, Valentine. We were in the waiting room. We've been kind of busy. I've been taking him up and down the elevator. He never rode in one before. And now Claire's pointing out the tall buildings and look, to look,
3: look. Wait a minute, Sonny. Slow down, will you? What are you talking about?
10: Your new client.
3: Oh, have I got a new client?
10: Yes, sir. And this is his first visit to the city. Oh, great. Where's he from? Three Oaks. Three Oaks. Three Oaks. Three Oaks. Hey, that sounds familiar. Oh, i bet you like him, Mr. Valentine. He's very nice. Three Oaks. Oh, I know.
3: My mother had some cousins living in Three Oaks.
10: His name is Jeff Williams. Jeff Williams.
3: Cousin Jeff.
10: Hey, is he your cousin? <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. Haven't seen him in 25 years. He's probably married and has a dozen kids.
10: Is he really your cousin, Mr. Valentine? Why, he isn't a bit like you. He, he's very nice.
3: <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Sonny. All right, carry on with the office work. I'll see about Cousin Jeff.
0: Yes, sir. Oh, good morning, Mr. Valentine. Good morning, Claire. Well,
3: Cousin Jeff. Hello, Cousin George. (laughs) Say, it's been a long time, Jeff. How are you? I never felt better in my life, George.
0: Your cousin was telling me that this is his first visit to the city,
3: Mr. Valentine. Oh, sit down, Jeff. Oh, after you, ma'am.
0: Oh, thank you, Mr. Williams. You're welcome, ma'am.
3: Well, I guess you're surprised to see me, George. I've been looking forward to this trip for a long time, but that farm sort of kept me tied down. But, Jeff, how'd you know where to find me? Am I, uh, famous even at Three Oaks? Oh, I saw your advertisement, George. I have the newspapers mailed to me. Rural Route 4. Oh, I see. Well, uh, what's on your mind, Jeff? Well, it's like this. I, I had a little extra egg money put aside. Egg money?
0: Mr. Williams has chickens. He sells the eggs.
3: Oh. Oh, my chickens are sure good to me this year. I figure after I pay him a hotel bill, I'll have about a $100 for you, George. What do you mean? Why give me a $100? Well, like this, George, I like my farm, you know. I was born and raised there, but it's pretty lonesome. Especially winter. Oh, I'm way ahead of you, Jeff. You want me to find you a wife? Oh, I figure I'm doing my own courting. Only trouble, I can't find a girl to court.
0: Really, Mr. Williams? Well,
3: you see, ma'am, most of the women in Three Oaks is already married, and those that aren't are spoken for. Oh, I find the girl and you quarter. Well, that's fair enough. But I I gotta meet her by Wednesday night. Gotta get back home. Have to start my corn husking. Uh, did you have any special type in mind? Well, <laughs> hope you'll forgive me, Miss Brooks, but I I like a pretty girl <laughs> like Miss Brooks. Claire? <laughs> Claire, what are you doing next Wednesday? I quit. (laughs) Hmm? Well, don't worry, Jeff. I'm sure I can help you. Well, there's only one other thing, George. She's got to be a girl who'll love my little Dolores. Dolores? And all her brothers and sisters. All her brothers and sisters? How many have you got? Fifty seven. Fifty seven children? No, 57 pigs. Pigs! Pigs!
0: He raises pigs, Mr. Valentine. Uh,
3: I hope you won't think I'm loony, but those pigs mean a lot to me. I'm fond of them, and they're fond of me. (laughs) Okay, Jeff. Just leave everything to me. I'll find a girl for you, all right? Someone who'll love Dolores and all her brothers and sisters. All 57 of them.
1: (laughs)
0: I don't want to bother you with questions, Mr. Valentine. But what are we doing here? Working
3: for our new client. I promised I'd find him a girl, didn't I?
0: Do you expect to find her in this alley?
3: Well, this alley leads to the stage door entrance.
0: Stage door? A showgirl? Sure, why not?
3: She's got to be pretty. And I'll bet these girls are sick of the bright lights. They'd probably give their eye teeth to settle down on a farm.
0: What are you going to do? Tap them on the shoulder and say, pardon me, but do you like pigs?
3: (laughs) No, of course not. I'm going to be subtle about this. I'll tell him I'm an inquiring reporter. You get it, Claire?
0: No, but it doesn't matter. Oh, it's
3: 5.40. The matinee's over a half hour ago.
0: Oh, yeah, they just sat in hey, her here name. they come
3: now. Say, there's a beauty.
0: Yeah, she'll do.
3: Oh, miss. Miss. Oh, oh, wait a minute, please.
0: If it's a date, my mother don't let me go out on no date. Besides, I'm booked solid for two months. Oh,
3: <laughs> no, no, I'm the inquiring reporter. I just want to ask you a question. Would you mind telling me what's your favorite animal?
5: My favorite animal? Mink.
3: Mink?
0: Yeah, mink. My mother likes ermine.
3: Oh, I see. Well,
0: thanks a lot. Maybe you could get Mr. Williams to raise mink instead of pig.
3: (laughs) Now, I'll try a brunette this time. Oh, a miss. Miss.
0: All right. Give me a pencil and I'll give you my
5: autograph.
3: Oh, no, thanks. That's not it. You see, I'm the inquiring reporter and I'd like to ask you a question if you have a minute. Shoot. What's your favorite animal? Male. Male? (laughs) Male. Oh, I see. Well, thanks a lot. Is that all? Yes, Miss, thanks. That's plenty.
5: If you'd like an interview for your paper and pictures, I'm, uh, at the Brayton Hotel.
3: I see. Well, I'll give you a buzz.
5: And if a man's voice answers, don't hang up. That's me. <laughs> I'm at the
6: Brayton Hotel.
3: <laughs> all right, all right.
0: <laughs>
3: it seemed like a good idea at the time.
0: Oh, Mr. Valentine, look at this. Coming towards us. The baby doll type.
3: Huh, huh Oh, uh, Miss, Miss...
0: You mean little old me? Yeah,
3: that's right. Little old you.
4: They call me Kathy Phillips. What do they call you? Well,
3: they call me the inquiring reporter. And I'd like to ask you a question, if you don't mind.
4: Oh, I think that's just darling of you. What do you want to know?
3: Well, I I wish you'd tell me. What's your favorite animal?
4: My favorite animal? That's right. (laughs) Promise not to laugh. I promise. Cross your heart, hope to die. (laughs) Hope to die. Well, then, don't you dare tell a soul, but I'm just mad about piggies. Oh, well,
3: that's a nice thing. Piggies? Claire! Claire, we found her. I don't mean to rush you, cousin, George. That's not why I phone. I'm just a little anxious, that's all. Now, will you be patient, Jeff? I think I found the right girl for you. She's small, she's pretty, she's blonde. But does she like pigs? Does she like pigs? The girl's mad about pigs. She sounds like the one I've been looking for, all right. When can I meet her, Cousin George? Why, she's in my office right now. I'll arrange a date for you tonight. You can take her out to dinner. Dinner? Say, maybe I'd better get my hair cut. (laughs) Yeah, you do that, Jeff, and I'll call you later. Goodbye. Bye. Sonny, Sonny.
10: Yes, sir? Uh,
3: Send Kathy Phillips in here, will you? I want to talk to her. Okay, Mr.
10: Valentine. Uh, Mr. Valentine wants to see you, Miss. You want to see little old me,
3: Mr. Valentine? Yeah, sit down, Kathy. I want to talk to you.
4: Did I win some sort of contest? Is that what this is all about? Ah,
3: never mind. You'll find out soon enough.
4: Kathy, do
3: you like farms?
4: Oh, Mr. Valentine, I adore farms. Of course, I've never been on a farm, but then when you adore something, why, well, you just adore it, that's all.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Just so you like pigs.
4: Uh, can you cook? Cook? You mean mix up things in the kitchen?
3: Yeah, that's sort
4: of the idea Oh, I don't think anyone can mix up things in the kitchen like I can Yeah, I'll bet <laughs> Well,
3: never mind, just so you like pigs
4: I brought my collection down for you to see, Mr. Valentine
3: Collection? What collection?
4: It's in this box Go ahead, open it
3: yeah, Well, uh,
4: what is it? Oh, they don't hurt you, silly Go on, open it
3: <laughs> All right, I'll buy it. <laughs> What in the name of heaven are these?
4: I told you, I just adore piggies
3: Great Caesar's ghost Piggy banks.
0: Piggy banks.
3: Well, how was I I to know? When she said piggies, I thought it was just her baby talk.
10: She's got over a hundred piggy banks, Mr. Valentine. I counted.
3: Never mind the piggy banks. We gotta do something.
0: Good afternoon. Let George do it.
3: Hello, Miss Brooks. How are you?
0: Oh, fine, Jeff. Just a minute your cousin. Oh, I got to stall him. Hello, Jeff.
3: I phoned to ask you about my date tonight, Cousin
0: George. Oh, well, now look, Jeff, you'll have to
3: be patient. She can't make it tonight. Oh, shucks. I had my hair cut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, it'll keep. She'll have dinner with you tomorrow night. Now, this girl is worth waiting for.
0: I don't want to rush her, but I have to get back to start my corn husk.
3: Yeah, you'll make it. Now, don't worry. Goodbye, Jeff.
0: Goodbye. Mr. Valentine, I don't like this. Jeff, is too nice to try to put something over on him.
3: Now, Claire, what are you talking about? Kathy's a wonderful girl.
10: Yeah, but Mr. Valentine, she won't know any more about pigs tomorrow night than she does right now.
3: Oh, yes, she will. Because you two are to get out of the library and pick up all the books they have on pigs.
10: Then what'll we do with
3: them? You'll see to it that Kathy reads them.
0: What makes you think she can read?
3: Then you read them to her. Take her to your apartment. Spend all day and all night if you have to. But I want that girl to know everything there is to know about pigs. You understand? Now get going. <laughs>
10: Shop. Hello, this is Sunny Brooks. Is it too late to send out some books to us right away?
4: Why, no, I don't believe so.
10: We went through all they had in the library, but she still doesn't know anything about pigs. Pigs? Yeah. Send us everything you've got. Send it to apartment five three oh six Sharp
0: Street. Oh, what street? Spell that, please.
10: Sharp. S is in swine, H is in hogs, A is in animal, R is in ribs, and P is in pig's feet. <laughs>
0: Where's that waitress? Why doesn't she take our order? All that talk about pigs made me hungry. Oh, never mind, Sonny. She'll get around to us soon. Now, come on, Kathy. Name the different kinds of pigs. Oh, Claire, I'm such a tired little old thing. Now, Kathy, Mr. Valentine has big plans for you. But you've got to know your pigs. Well, let me see. There's the Yorkshire pigs. They've got the darliest little spots all over them. Hey, that's not right, is it, Claire? Kathy, Yorkshire are white. You mean the spotted pole in China. Its head is rugged, medium in length, and slightly dished in the profile.
4: Oh, Claire, you use such big words. I guess I'm just a little old dummy. I wasn't very smart in school.
0: I never will forget the trouble I had in fifth grade.
10: You got to the fifth grade,
0: (laughs) sonny. If you could only talk to someone who really knows pigs. Well, what'll it be, folks? Can I take your order? You order for us, sonny. Well, we might as well stay in
10: the spirit. We better have the best pork chops from great big pigs. Oh, the best
0: pork chops come from the medium types, like the Berkshire and the Hampshire.
10: Hey, Claire,
0: listen to our waitress. Oh, I was raised on a farm. Well, well, people, never mind the food. Just tell this girl everything you know about pigs. Yeah, and please
10: use words of only one syllable.
3: Come on, come on, open up, open up. Say, where is everybody?
1: Oh,
0: it's you. Oh, good morning, Claire. Come in. Did I wake you? Wake me? I haven't been to bed yet.
3: Well, you can sleep tonight. Say, how's our pupil getting along?
0: I don't know about Kathy, but whenever I close my eyes, I see pigs. Yorkshire, Berkshire, Hampshire, Durham. Hey, you know
3: your pigs, all right. Oh,
0: Mr. Valentine. Oh, good
3: morning, Sonny. Where's Kathy?
0: She's still learning her lines.
3: Her lines? What are you talking about?
0: Well, we finally hit on a system that works with her. We pretend she's playing a part in a show. You know, we write the lines and she learns them. I'll show you. Kathy? Oh, Kathy. I'm coming. Oh,
10: Mr. Valentine, it's you! Yep, little old me. (laughs) Go ahead, Kathy,
4: recite for me. All right. The poem in China has a head that is rugged in appearance, medium in length, and slightly dished in the profile. Well, that's wonderful, marvelous,
3: tremendous. Jeff will be the happiest man in Three Oaks.
0: Jeff? Who's Jeff?
3: Oh, uh, sit down, Kathy. The time has come for us to have a little talk.
4: Oh, I just adore that, Mr. Valentine.
3: Kathy, how would you like to settle down on a little farm?
4: A farm with 57 pigs. I think that'd be just darling. Could I name them?
3: Oh, oh sure, sure, of course. Now, look, Kathy, I'm not promising you anything, understand? But you'll have dinner with him tonight.
4: Dinner? Oh, I am fond of eating.
3: Yeah, I'll bet. Now, you meet him, he meets you. The rest is up to you, too.
4: Oh, what do you mean, Mr. Valentine?
3: Well, I mean, if he likes you and you like him, then you make your own plans. I'm just sort of bringing you together, that's all. Arranging a date for the night.
4: Uh, about that date, Mr. Valentine, I'm afraid I won't be able to keep it.
3: You won't? Why not?
4: I hate to disappoint you, Mr. Valentine.
3: Why? What's wrong?
4: Well, I'm afraid he might not like it.
3: Who might not like it?
4: My husband.
3: Your husband.
4: You've got a husband? Well, of course, didn't I tell you? He's just the sweetest little old thing. He collects piggy banks, too.
1: Well, George
3: certainly finds himself in an embarrassing situation now. While he's figuring out an answer, I'd like to have a little talk with you. You know, most folks are alike... We all enjoy doing business with the neighborhood grocer, the druggist, or the hardware man who gives us a friendly smile when we come in. Kind of a chap who asks about the kids when he wraps up our package. That's one reason why many folks like to trade at home-owned Chevron gas stations. They're run by local men who've made good, friendly, capable fellows who know most everyone in town and know their cars equally well. They're all mighty nice people to do business with. That's why you always feel at home when you stop at a Chevron gas station. There's another thing you can count on finding at Chevron gas stations. They all carry that climate-tailored Chevron Supreme gasoline and RPM compounded motor oil. All of them honor your Chevron credit card, too. So whenever you're on a trip, make it a habit to stop at Chevron gas Station. The girl for his client, all right. Kathy was small, pretty, and blonde, and she learned all about pigs. There was only one catch. Kathy was already married. Now George, Claire, and Sonny are still in Claire's apartment.
0: Why didn't you ask her if she was married? Well,
3: I didn't think about it.
0: The most important thing of all, and you didn't think about well, it.
3: Well, it just didn't occur to me. I did mention settling down on a farm.
0: But you didn't mention the farmer.
3: Oh, I forgot. It slipped my mind.
0: Oh, fine, wonderful. And after all we went through teaching her about pigs. Yeah. Well, I can't even bear to look at bacon.
10: And when I sleep, I don't snore anymore. I just go, oink, oink, oink. Oh, Sonny, will you get out of here?
1: (laughs) Now, Claire, what are we
10: going to do? Jeff is supposed to phone
3: me here, and I'm supposed to have the date all set.
0: What will I tell him now? That's your problem, Mr. Valentine. I wash my hands of the whole thing.
3: Oh, now, Claire, don't say that. Jeff's been looking forward to this trip for years. If I can't get him a bride, well, at least I can get him a dinner date.
0: Besides, there's a $100.
3: Claire. You don't think I'd accept money from my own cousin? You make me sound like a heel. Well? That must be Jeff. You talk
0: to him. Oh, no. Talk to him yourself. Take your medicine like a man. Oh,
3: fine, secretary. I've got Hello? Hello, this is Jeff. Oh, hello, Jeff. I got another haircut, Cousin George. (laughs) Another haircut. That's great. What about my date for tonight? You know, I've got to get back to the farm tomorrow. Well, you see, it's like this, Jeff. Uh, You see, this girl knows her pigs all right. Fine, that'll give us something to talk about. You know, she knows all about pigs. And you see, well, this girl is very pretty. I'm anxious to meet her. And and you see, this girl is... Married. Will you stop it? Stop what? No, not you. You see, Jeff, it's like this. I... Oh, wait a minute.
0: What's the matter? What's the matter?
3: Why can't you have dinner with him?
0: Me? Oh, no, you don't.
3: What'd you
10: say, Cousin George?
0: Well, you're beautiful. I am. (laughs) and and you know about pigs well I ought
3: to I was raised with them
0: well how about it you'd hand me over for a measly hundred dollars oh now
3: don't get dramatic it's just a dinner date
0: well it's more than just a dinner date it's more than just a dinner date and you know
3: it now look it's his first trip to the city and he's my cousin how can I let him down
0: Let who down? You
3: know he likes you. Remember, he said he wanted to meet a girl just like you.
0: Like who? You'd sell your own grandmother for $100. Whose grandmother? Oh,
3: Grandma's fine, thank you, George. (laughs) Oh, now listen, Claire. All you have to do is have dinner with him. Is that too much to ask of you?
0: All right, I'll do it. You will have dinner with him? With who? I'll have a lot of dinners with him. I always wanted to live on a farm. Claire. Tell your cousin to get a haircut and meet me at Pierre's.
1: (laughs)
3: It sure is nice of you to have dinner with me, Claire.
0: It's nice of you to think it's nice of me.
3: <laughs> I won't try to figure that out.
0: No. Mmm, I like it.
3: You like what?
0: Your haircut.
3: Yeah, I had it cut twice. See, <laughs> maybe we ought to eat something.
0: Yeah, sounds like a good idea.
3: Well, let's see what's on this bill of fare. Oh. What's the matter? They don't spell very good.
0: Huh? Oh, it's in French. <laughs>
3: You know, that's one thing I didn't learn on the farm.
0: Never mind, Jeff. I don't like this place anyway. It's much too expensive.
3: Oh, that's all right. You're forgetting about my egg money.
0: Now, look. Those chickens didn't go to all that trouble just so you could throw your money away on me. Come on. Oh, where'll we go? There's a restaurant in my neighborhood that has good food. And it's cheap, too.
3: See? You're saving my money for me already. How will I ever be able to thank
10: cousin George?
0: You won't have to thank him. Just give him the hundred dollars. That's all he's interested in. Come on, Jeff. Let's go someplace where they know how to spell.
2: Oh,
1: Sonny. Oh, Sonny.
3: Sonny. Sonny, wake up.
10: Sonny. Sonny. Yorkshire, Berkshire, Hampshire. Sonny. Fallen child. Sonny. Huh? Oh.
3: Claire isn't home yet. I've been sitting here waiting for her to come back.
10: What time is it? Three o'clock. It is? Then why'd you wake me? Let me go back to counting pigs. Oh.
3: Sonny, why would a dinner day take so long?
10: Maybe he's a slow eater.
3: Sonny, you don't seem to realize how serious this is. She's been gone for eight hours. I've been
10: sitting here watching the clock. Why don't you read something? I don't feel like reading. We got quite a choice of books. There's breeding pigs and pig breeding and pigs in their breeds.
3: Hey, do you suppose she's purposely staying out late just to to worry me? Well, she is. She has. Sonny, Jeff liked her. He liked her a lot. Sonny, did she like him?
10: Well, my sister goes for the shy type.
3: Oh. Would you call me shy? Don't answer that. You know, Sonny, I like her. So do I. Sonny, I think I love her.
10: I think I do, too.
3: (laughs) And I threw her at him. I forced her to go out with him. I'm a fool. I'm a sap. I'm a... A fathead. A fathead. Thanks a lot, Sonny.
10: You're welcome, Mr. Valentine.
3: That's the telephone I'll get it. Hello? Hello? Claire, where are you?
0: What are you doing at my place, Mr. Valentine? Well,
3: I was waiting for you to get back.
0: Oh, you don't mean you were worried.
3: Worried? Why should I worry? Claire, where are you? It's 3 o'clock.
0: I thought you weren't worried.
3: Well, it's just that, that... Well, I don't want you showing up late for work tomorrow.
0: I won't be at work tomorrow, George.
3: Claire, you call me George.
0: Well, I'm in a sentimental
3: mood. Hey, Claire, will you please tell me, where are you calling from?
0: From Dr. Hutchison's house.
3: Dr. Hutchison, are you hurt?
0: He's a minister.
3: A minister? Claire! Yeah,
0: cousin Jeff said to send you his love. Goodbye, George. <laughs>
10: Elope, are you sure, Mr. Valentine? Sonny, will
3: you get dressed and shut up? Yeah,
10: but where are we going? We're going
3: to annul the marriage.
10: Mr. Valentine... You don't want
3: Jeff for a brother-in-law, do you? And how will I get along without her? What will happen to me?
10: What will happen to me? I don't want to go to Three Oaks and live with pigs.
3: No. (laughs) Here's his address. Dr. Hutchison, 310 G Street. Come on.
10: Yeah, but what will we do there?
3: He can tell us where they went. He can tell how to find her. I'm not giving her up, Sonny. Not without a fight. This is a place.
10: Come on. Don't you think it's a little late to be busting in on people?
3: No, he can't help that. I'll do the talking.
10: Don't you think it's a little late to be ringing doorbells? Well, we've got to
3: find her before he takes her to Three Oaks.
11: Can I help you? Oh, uh,
3: I want to speak to Dr. Hutchinson right away. It's very important.
11: Are you sure? I hate to disturb him. He had to get up a little while ago. We had a wedding party here.
3: A wedding party? Sonny, a wedding party.
11: I heard her. Such a lovely young couple. And so much in love.
10: Maybe it was some other couple, Mr. Valentine. Yeah,
3: yeah, maybe. Uh, Was the groom tall and and ish looking?
11: Oh, he was a very wholesome young man. He told me all about his pigs. Oh,
7: pigs. It's the right people, all right.
11: I never saw a happier bride in all my life. And I've seen a lot of brides. Are you sure she was happy? She was all smiles. It was all child, Mr. Bell.
3: Maybe it was just an act.
11: Oh, no. At the end of the ceremony, when they kissed. Well, I never saw such a kiss in all my life. I've seen a lot of kisses. Oh. Oh. Um. now then, um, what did you want to see my husband about?
3: Oh, nothing. Nothing at all.
11: Come on, son. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
10: Mr. Valentine? Mr. Valentine, what time is it? Four o'clock. Don't you think it's a little late for us to be out taking a walk?
3: What else could we do? Sleep? I couldn't sleep.
10: Well, I guess I couldn't either.
3: Look, there's just the two of us left now, Sonny. We'll have to stick together.
10: And you're not going to try to stop her? Stop
3: her? How can I stop her? We've got to think about her, Sonny. If she's happy, then, well, we'll just give her up.
10: But, Mr. Valentine... We've got to be men. Well, I'll try.
3: Come on, let's go in this restaurant and have some breakfast.
10: We haven't had dinner yet.
3: All right, then we'll have dinner. Not that I can eat. I don't think I'll ever be able to eat again.
10: Is this table all right?
3: Oh, what does it matter? I can't eat anyway.
10: Well, Then why'd we come in here?
3: Well, I... I just want to sit and look at the food and feel miserable.
0: What'll it be, gentlemen? Scrambled eggs and a nice side order of ham. Ham! Don't even mention. Claire! Claire! What
3: are you doing here?
0: Working. Working. Excuse me, they want me in that booth. It's a wedding breakfast. Here,
10: I don't get this. Why
0: should you? Mr. Valentine, look, in that booth.
10: It's Jeff. Jeff.
3: Oh, of course. It's their wedding breakfast.
10: Then why is she working here as a waitress? Oh,
3: well, maybe they haven't got enough money to get back to Three Oaks.
10: Say, hey, he's coming to our table. You won't start a fight, will you, Mr. Valentine?
3: Fight? I haven't got any fight left in me. Well, I'm sure glad to see you, Cousin George.
0: I told Jeff you were here.
3: Yeah. Well, congratulations, Cousin Jeff. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I I hope you'll be very happy. And that comes from the heart, Claire. What heart? Well, I, I guess the best man won. Be good to her, Jeff. You bet I will. Oh, uh, Cousin George, about the hundred dollars. Ah, forget
0: it. Why, Mr. Valentine.
3: Oh, no, I don't want to forget it. After all, you kept your part of the bargain, you got me a date, and now look what happened. And about the hundred dollars, Cousin oh, George. Buy yourself a wedding present, Jeff. A, a pig or something. A pig? Well, thanks a lot. Now I better get back to Margie. Yeah, you go right ahead. And get... Margie? Who's Margie? Well, I thought you knew. Margie's my bride. Your your bride? What about Claire? Claire is our bridesmaid.
0: Claire, you mean... You remember Margie, don't you, Sonny? She waited on us when we were here yesterday. Hey, she is the girl who knows all about pigs.
3: She sure does. You know, Margie was born just ten miles from my place, but can you beat it? We never met until Claire brought me here tonight.
0: I knew it'd be love at first sight.
3: Oh, well, uh, Claire, look, I've got to talk to you. Sit down.
0: I can't, Mr. Valentine. I'm working for Margie for the rest of the day. I don't get off duty till 6.
3: Then I'll stay right here and wait for you. Well, I'll say goodbye. Our train leaves in a little while. I want you to know, Cousin George, that I'm the happiest man in the world. Oh, no, you're not. I am. Me too. Now, Jeff, you remember to look us up when you come back to the city. Oh, we won't be coming back. Margie and I decided that we'd stay in Three Oaks for the rest of our lives. Watch gotcha. you, Just settle down on a little farm and raise pigs. we will hear George's voice again in just a moment. In most parts of the West, motorists are facing the time of year that's hardest on cars. Cooler weather and rain or snow always bring with them some annoying car troubles. Most of these can pretty well be avoided, however, by a checkup trip to your neighborhood Chevron dealer. You'll put the right grade of RPM compounded motor oil in your car's crankcase, see that its transmission and differential have the right kind of grease for the season, and you'll check your battery and accessories like windshield wiper blades, spark plugs, and lights. You can depend on getting a good job of winter checking at a Chevron gas station. Chevron dealers, you know, are in business for themselves. They've had plenty of car service experience before branching out on their own. So you can count on a competent, conscientious job. See about that winter checkup this weekend. Talk it over with your neighborhood Chevron gas station man. Well, next week, a celebrity brings his problem to George, and you'll probably hear something like this. Well, sure, of course I know you. Jimmy Jones, the greatest cowboy star in pictures. That's right. I work in horse operas. Mr. Valentine, you've got to help me. Sure, what's on your mind, Jimmy? What can I do for you? Look, you mustn't breathe a word of this. It'd ruin my career. You can trust me, Jimmy. What's the matter? Mr. Valentine, I'm afraid of horses. (laughs) gas stations all through the west invite you to be with us again next week for another chapter of Let George Do It brought to you by the makers of Chevron Supreme gasoline and RPM compounded motor oil let George Do It, starring Robert Bailey as George, with Francis Robinson as Claire and Eddie Firestone Jr. as Sonny, is written by Pauline Hopkins, produced and directed by Owen Vincent. Others in the cast were Frank Martin as Jeff, Jane Webb as Kathy, Rena Craig as Margie, and June Perret as Mrs. Hutchinson. The music was composed and conducted by Charles Dent, your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It!
7: Virtual Donnelly Broadcasting
2: System. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. This next one it um, by hearing the name of it you would think that it was kind of like a Western or something, but it's not. Uh, not really. It's, uh, well, it's about frontier people, and, um, but it's, this one is kind of hard to explain because they called it the Honky Tonkers, and it just doesn't fit my version of Honky Tonker, but, (laughs) but y'all have to let me know what y'all think. So y'all enjoy the Frontier Gentlemen, the Honky Tonkers. Now I do have one, there's one called Frontier Town, and it is a Western type show. So, uh, But this one is Frontier Gentlemen, and this episode at least is not, it, it doesn't seem like Honky Tonkers for sure.
8: There are places west of the Missouri
3: where gambling stakes are rather high. This is particularly true when the wager depends on a man's life.
8: Frontier Gentlemen. An Englishman's accounts of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual story. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territory. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Frontier <laughs> Gentleman.
3: I had stayed in Montana Territory, hoping for an interview with Sitting Bull, or even Crazy Horse. But General Crook's attack across the Tongue River put an end to that hope, at least for the time being. And so, with a full-fledged Indian war exploding around me, I had no choice but to remain where I was. The settlement with a normal population of perhaps a hundred had swollen to four times that number. The saloon keeper, gambler, and others were doing a thriving business, and the... The most popular spot in town was undoubtedly a place bearing the rather, oh, sanguinary legend, Jug of Blood. It was what is known
8: as a honky tonk. I was passing outside when the trouble began. The doors flew open, and half a dozen brawling men erupted in the street. In sheer self-defense, I became a combatant. <laughs>
1: My dear yeah. fellow, I have yeah. the idea. Yeah. Yeah. a most idea. idea. You could buy that? Yeah. Jolly good. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. oh uh. just some no good son of a gun was cheaply
3: uh. poker, uh. and no good son of a gun. Really? Yeah.
1: Uh. One of those?
3: Uh. Oh, how should I know? I wasn't playing. I just heard it all. Yeah. No, if there's anything I hate,
8: it's no good cheating. Son of a gun. Yes. Bad form. Yeah. I don't blame you. Hey, well, Now, if you'll pardon me. Hey, come on in and have a drink. No, I don't think so, thank you. Oh, come on. There's mighty pretty little gals in there. Yeah. You know, Jake Carter hired them all the way out from
3: back east. It's on the way up to Virginia City. Sue Ruckus has held him i
8: And sorry to hear it, but now, really, I must be going. Oh, mister, you ain't
3: seen such dancing such carrying on. I'll be a son of a gun if I let you move on without seeing the nicest bit of female woman of flesh inside of St. Louis. Son of a gun, come on, let's go. You won't be sorry.
1: There's a table over there.
8: Right.
3: Kind of early, still a little quiet. You'll warm up by and by. Hey, my name is Smith, Walleye Smith.
8: J.B. Kendall, Mr. Howdy. Mr. Smith.
3: Hey, what are you drinking?
8: Oh, I'll take a beer if you don't mind.
3: Oh, it'll make no never mind of me. Jake? Yeah. A beer from a pound of whiskey for me. Tell
1: Andy to bring him over. Okay.
3: J.B. Kendall, huh? J.B. Hey, you any kin in Arizona, Kendall, down to so... Doomstone? No. No.
8: What's your business, mister? I'm inside for
3: fighting. I'm a newspaper correspondent. Oh Oh, Well, I'm a cowpuncher myself. Got paid off last week. This here's a good place to pay your money.
1: <laughs>
3: hey, how do you like that there picture over the bar, ain't she,
8: Duncan? There's quite a bit of her, isn't there? What would you say? I say there's quite a bit of her, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. A little out of proportion here and there.
3: Ample. Well, son of a gun, I like you, Kendall. <laughs> I like you. Son of a gun. <laughs> Hey, what paper are you writing for? London Times.
1: Well, son of a gun. Hey, Annie. How Mrs. <laughs>
3: hey, sweetheart. This here is J.B. Kittle.
1: Hi. He writes you? for
3: a newspaper, London Times. He's an important man. Now you go call Christmas. Now drinks are on me.
4: Sure, yeah, Mrs. My hey, Mr.
3: <laughs> yeah, me, I go for the nice fat one. You know, something you can grab a hold on Never did like dancing with them skin and bone gals.
8: I gather Annie is your choice, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, She's some looker, huh?
3: Oh, no doubt of it, Mr. Smith. Of
8: course, now, there ain't nothing wrong with Crystal. She's the
3: one close herding with that son of a gun, Bill Bastard. see?
1: I said, I
3: don't think he's taken kindly to your friend Annie's suggestion. Uh, he's a
8: raunchy buzzard,
1: ain't
8: he? He's drunker than all. Um, I say, uh, look here, old boy, we don't want to cause any more trouble. You and your young lady have a nice evening. I'll be running along. Oh,
3: sit down. Huh? I owe you for that fight. I always pay my debt.
1: Well, here they
3: come. Ladies, meet J.B. Kent. Uh, this here is Crystal J.B. Crystal, how do you do? Go on, sit in his life sweetheart. the poor oh. fellow ain't
8: feeling his old yet. Well, well, no, I'm, I'm sure Miss Crystal will be much more comfortable in a chair. Come here, Annie. Here, uh, uh, <laughs>
1: uh,
3: uh, would you um? To care for a drink?
6: No, thanks. Oh.
1: Uh, <laughs> the, the, the gentleman
3: you were dancing with, uh, he seems rather upset.
1: Sam? But... Oh.
8: Are you sure I can't get you something?
4: What's the matter? You don't like me? Ain't I good enough to sit in your lap? Ooh,
8: well, not at all. I, I'd be delighted, oh, but... Uh, I'm Wild Bill
3: Baster, and there ain't no man nor dog would take my gal away from me. You riding herd on Christmas. I'm riding hurt on no one. But I paid good cash, and I'm gonna have my dance out. You go rattle hawks out of here. And I say goose hockey to you, all right. Gentlemen, I think the language is getting a trifle right. After all, there are ladies present. Well, who are you, you son of a gun? The name
8: is Kendall.
3: Well, good talking to you.
6: You Kendall. have your ride, mister. I ain't dancing no
4: more with you. We like to stop I'll my feet off. Mr.
8: I rather Do think that. I rather think it's up to the
3: lady. Don't you chum?
4: Lady?
12: She ain't no lady. Bill. Son of a gun. Bill, I'm that. giving you
3: one second to rattle hocks out, and then I'm gonna blow your ears off. No, 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 no. Oh, no need lie. of that, Mr. Smith. You'll go along quietly, won't you, Mr. Bascom? Oh, you think you're a pretty big son of a gun, don't you?
12: Well, you don't stampede me, mister. Now, come on, girl. Oh, Not
1: at what all polite. You no. No.
12: No. Hey, 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 they you're breaking my heart.
1: Then, ah.
3: then be a good chap, and as Mr. Smith would just go, uh, rattle your heart. Ain't
1: no son of a gun telling me what to do. I'm Wild Bill Bascom, hey, hey, Come on, hey, come
5: on <mail>
3: Son of a gun. You killed me.
8: What's he mean, you killed him? He shot himself. You didn't even draw on him.
3: Now, I don't allow no gun shooting in here. Uh, Jake,
8: it's Bill Baskin. He aimed to salivate Mr. Kendall here, and he killed himself instead.
3: Oh, that's the silly son of a gun. Now, you boys, you get him up out of there. That, that rug cost me $300.
8: So somebody get a doctor. He's not dead.
3: Yeah, I bet he is. How much you bet, mister?
6: He ain't dead. i seen him move. Look. Why,
3: don't yeah, you shut is. your mouth. Now get him off my rug. Take him in back. You can put him on the ferro table. Give me a hand. Yeah, sure. Somebody
8: yeah. find a doctor, please.
3: Ain't no doctor yeah. except an army surgeon. He's getting himself scalped oh, by his Well, that's true. Ain't no doctor around here. I never know Carefully. heavy. Yeah. Hey, all right, Break up the game, boys. There's a corner here. He needs a table. Come on, brother. I tell
4: you, all right, all right,
3: boys. Put him down. I'm dying, boy. Give me a drink. I'll get it. Put him down, I said. Put him down. I either. My old See me now. Annie. Right? See if you can find some bandages. Clean rag, hot water.
4: Sure. And don't you fret, Bill. Uh, You're going to be just fine. Well,
3: I've got to get back to the bar. Anything you boys need, you let me know. Whiskey's on the house, Baston. You're a good man, Jay. I'll put in a word for you when I get where I'm going. Jay, well, you do that. So long.
8: All right, now. Let's get that jacket off, Baston.
3: Mister, you're treating me like I I don't deserve it.
8: Don't talk now. Mitch, get the other arm. Uh, sure. Hey, no, I'm. Not. Now wait a minute. Now, look, I,
3: I, ain't kidding you.
8: These are my dying words. I,
3: <laughs> I tried to kill you.
1: In my drink,
3: I, I, I tried to, it and it's heavy on my kind. Well, I sure wish I had me a preacher to make my peace with. Bill,
8: will you shut your uh, son of a gun mouth and let us get this shit jacket no, off of yes. you? I ain't careful no. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, There we are. Not have to tear the shirt. No.
3: No, boy. This here's my... My bad shirt. I... I want to be buried in it. Where's
4: the whiskey, Bill? Let hey. me pop his head up.
3: Crystal, you... Angel of mercy, that... That's what you are,
12: Crystal. You... <laughs> Crystal, you... girl.
3: I'm asking your forgiveness, she's huh? <laughs> uh-uh. I acted purely like a boon tail with you.
4: Forget it, Bill. Finish your drink.
3: Doesn't
8: look mean, don't it, Mr. Yeah, Smith. Smith? Smith's moving here.
4: Just hold of
5: down.
8: I reckon he ain't got long. You now if he don't bleed to death, it's gangrene for sure. Now we can stop the bleeding, I think, but we've got to get that bullet out.
3: Oh, ain't nobody yeah, well, around well, here well, crazy well, enough well, to try that? Well, ain't no well, sense yeah. carving up the poor son of a gun. Let him die comfortable. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have to die.
8: There might be a chance. Will you help?
3: Help what? Yeah. Operate on him. You're
8: loco. There's nothing to lose.
3: How About another drink, boy. I'm going fast.
8: All right, Mr. Give him all he wants, Chris. We'll Keep pouring it into him.
3: How you think it's fitting for a man to die a... drunk?
8: I think it's fitting for a man not to feel any more pain than he has to.
3: what are you doing with that knife?
8: I told you I'm going to take that bullet out of him. You want to help me good. If not, you'll oblige me by rattling your hocks out of here. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. Poor Jack Benny. The gang arranges a surprise party for him on his birthday. But the surprise backfires in a hilarious way today on CBS Radio's Jack Benny program. Never mind the greeting cards, Forget about buying him a present. Just be sure to join us on most of these same stations later on today when everybody has a good time at Jack Benny's birthday party, except Jack himself. And now we return you to Anthony Ellis' production of Frontier Gentlemen.
3: There are some men who possess a rather odd sentimentality about pain and death. They don't hesitate to empty a gun into a living body. With clear and shining conscience, they do this deed. But for those same men to retrieve a life, to cut into flesh to do so, that is a different matter. Walleye Smith was of this type. The thought of operating on Bill Bascom offended his sense of delicacy.
8: Oh, you ain't no doc. You can't do that. I can bloody well try
4: no bandages so I a sheet off and here's
8: your water good girl put it down on the table now which one of you ladies will help
4: i will oh sure me
6: too all
8: right we'll try to stop the bleeding first how do you feel bill
3: i'm dying partner. how about another drink annie sure.
8: crystal take some sheeting press it uh, over the wound keep holding it there Son of a gun, Candle! I say you can't do it. My
1: dear fellow, will you step over here for a moment? Oh, no, say, now. No,
3: now. Smith, look here. The fact that Baskin might die is partially my fault.
8: How uh, come he shot himself?
3: The circumstances. me. me.
8: Well, you ain't no doc. That's yes, what you said. You'll kill him. If we're lucky, I won't. If a man's luck runs out, that's the end. Don't pay to go again, nature. At a less pressing moment, I should be delighted to enter into a philosophical
3: discussion with you, but not just now. Now, Be a good chap and don't argue.
8: But I ain't arguing,
3: you son of a gun. I'm telling you, you ain't going to cut Bill up. Miss, I took you for something more than a thick-headed clubhopper. I see I was mistaken.
8: Oh, mister, you go on talking like that, there's going to be another dying man in here.
3: Oh, dear. Awfully
1: Sorry. Son of a gun.
8: What's the
1: matter with you boys?
3: You stop, you hear?
1: Now, miss, clear out and
6: stay out. Oh, son of a gun. Now how's our patient? it's half the bottle. Uh, There's see enough see rot it. gotten him to melt that boy.
3: <laughs> Wishful thinking, my dear.
8: Bill. Um, I'm going to take the bullet out. He'll do. All right, Crystal. Take a
3: handful of rags. And when I tell you, wipe the blood away.
4: What do you want me to do? Hold
3: his hand. Try to keep him still. Ready? Yes. Here we go. I didn't know how deeply the bullet had penetrated. I could only guess at its approximate direction. I made an incision. can't do that, mister. I'm doing it. Get out. A hundred cents, Baskin makes it. Who said that? Me. You're on.
8: Wipe. He ain't breathing so good. I know. I'm... Will you get out?
3: No, no, not me. I got money on, Bill. Anybody else want to make a little bet? Yeah, 50 still alive in two hours. Odds on that, two get you one. A bet. Wipe. Oh,
1: why
6: don't you go on out? We're
4: trying to save him. You go right
3: on trying, Annie. Anybody else?
4: Well, i like maybe... Uh...
8: Kendall, what do you think? Has he got a chance? How the devil should I know? Sure is a mess, ain't he? Man, poor old Bill, he was a good man.
3: Yeah, sure could drop a hole.
8: Jake, 200, he's still alive. Come four o'clock.
3: Uh, midnight now. I'll take it.
8: All right, now, Kendall, you son of a gun. You pull him through. You want a chance to win? Oh, sure I do. Get these people out.
3: All right, come on, Jake. No, no, no. I'm staying. I got a big investment in that boy. Very well.
8: I'm finished. You stay here. I won't go on. Let him die. I Let see.
3: him die. All right, all right, all right. We'll wait outside. Now, Walleye, you stay. You give us a word every five
1: minutes. Well, sure. I got you, Billy, boy. Rest easy. Easy. Uh-huh.
3: I can't find it.
8: I can't. Can't find it. Give me a rag, Crystal.
0: Yes. Thank you. Mm. Look at the color of him. He's going.
8: Annie, give him whiskey, quickly.
1: Yes. That's better. Ah. Ah.
8: I can feel it. I can feel it. Yes, it's there.
3: Yes, i it. White crystal.
8: There. Yeah, hey, there. There. now ain't that something? I never did see a piece of lead dug out before. Son of a gun!
1: Hey, everybody, you got it out, hey. and the son of a gun is still alive. Hey.
3: We bound up the wound, made him as comfortable as we could. He'd lost a great deal of blood and was terribly weak. There was nothing to do now but wait. The two girls stayed in a room with me, and there was something very different about them. Both were far from being beautiful, but there was a softness, a quality of... Loveliness which made their garish costume seem completely out of place.
10: Howdy.
8: Uh, how, how,
3: how's she coming? Oh, about the same.
8: You know, there's better than 10,000 been bed outside. At Three thirty now. You, you think he'll live till four? He might. Well, I've got 200 says he got to.
3: Well, then obviously he's got
8: to <laughs> Kind of funny if he does pull through, though, huh? It'll be a miracle. He ain't a bad son of a gun. Sure looks white. Why? Almost like a kid, don't he? Uh, anything I can do, General.
3: Say a prayer if you feel like it.
8: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I ain't a
3: praying man,
8: but I, I hope he makes it. Uh, not on the count of my 200. I just hope he makes it.
3: And for you, that's the prayer,
8: Smith. <clears throat> You'll have a drink. No, no, thank you. Well,
4: I. I... I'll go out and, and keep them all quiet.
3: Yes, that's a good idea. Mister? Yes, Crystal?
4: I know a prayer. You think it helps? help?
3: I don't know. It might.
4: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake.
1: Yea, though I walk through the... Of the shadow of death.
3: I will fear no evil.
1: For thou art,
4: art with me. Thy rod and thy Bascom. Hmm. Bascom. Bill? Mm-hmm. How do you feel?
10: Bill?
3: Can you hear me, Bascom? I'm dying, boy. Give me a drink. Wild Bill Bascom didn't die. A number of people won money because of it, and a number of others lost. Mr. Smith insisted on dividing his winnings with me. During his presentation speech, he was so overcome but not once did he refer to me as a son of a gun, an omission
8: I was happy to overlook. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Stacey Harris, Virginia Gregg, Eve McVeigh, Barney Phillips, and Charles Field. Music was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith, King Cole and Eartha Kitt may not tell all to Mitch Miller tonight, but knowing Mitch as we do, we're sure his talented visitors will feel free to talk about anything and everything of interest for an informal get together with some of the brightest names in show business. Hear the Mitch Miller Show every Sunday night on most of these same stations. Now stay tuned for the Ford Road Show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. John Wall speaking. This is the CBF Radio Network.
2: Okay, I'm going to try to throw a little romance at you because um, even though I don't have any romance, I'd like to see y'all get some. (laughs) Uh, But this one is called Wayside Theater, and it's love in a taxi.
7: The Chicago Motor Club presents the Wayside Theater. Welcome to the Wayside Theater, ladies and gentlemen. The Chicago Motor Club plans this dramatic half hour for your radio enjoyment once a week. But there isn't a single minute of the week when the club doesn't have your motoring enjoyment in mind. And that's been going on for 33 years. Today, 78,000 member families depend on the Chicago Motor Club for the instant solution of every problem connected with owning and driving a car. It doesn't matter where a member is when those problems arise, because the Chicago Motor Club is the only club in this territory affiliated with the AAA, the American Automobile Association. That important tie-up means that members are a part of 1,000 other automobile clubs in this country. What's more, the club's international alliance assures motoring protection and service to members traveling abroad. That in itself is enough to make a membership worthwhile. But there are 25 other benefits, too, and they're all explained in the club's free booklet. If you live in Illinois or Indiana, just send your name and address to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. In Chicago, phone Franklin 1818. That free booklet is yours for the asking. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wayside Theater presents the first act of tonight's play, Love in a Taxi. You mean you don't have anything for me, Mr. Stoke? I'm sorry, Larry, but I can't use anyone that hasn't specialized. An A.B. degree doesn't count for much these days. It's
3: specialization and actual experience
7: that counts in this day and age. Now, if you can get a couple of years' experience in this field and then come round, I think I could use you. Sorry, Bannison, I'd like to help you, but nothing. Open a present. I don't care if you did graduate with all B's. I can't use you. No job here. No, nothing doing. All All right. right. Hello, Mac. Hiya, pal. Well, Mac, there she is and all mine. Hey, you mean she's all paid for? It? Every cent. I made the last payment this morning. Hey, that's swell. Max, my boy, you see before you, Larry Bannister, possessor of a nice, shiny, second-hand taxi that's going to make him his fortune. Yes,
3: fortune? Hey, hey. now, look, pal. I tried to talk you out of this taxi business.
7: I explained to you that $15 a week clear is top. $15 a week is a fortune, Max especially after pounding the pavement for almost a year without making a sense. Okay, but this taxi business is a tough racket. Don't ever say I didn't warn you. I'm full of fight and raring to go, Max, so bring on your tough customers.
3: Hey, hey, look. Holy mackerel, it's your cab. Somebody ran into it. Oh, my taxi. My beautiful taxi. Come on, let's grab the guy that ran. Yeah. A dame. A dame. You might know it would be a dame that would do it.
5: I don't like that nasty little insinuation. That
3: was no insinuation, lady.
7: That was a statement of fact. Now, look, would you mind telling me just how out of 10,000 taxis in New York you selected mine? Well,
13: I I just didn't see it.
7: You didn't see it? Well, just what were you looking at, your pug nose in the rearview mirror?
13: That's not the least bit funny. Now,
7: you listen to me. Oh,
13: no, you listen to me, you, you two gorillas. I haven't the slightest intention of giving you any explanation of any sort. Now, then, if you'll unhook my bumper out of your your spark plugs, I'll leave.
7: Oh. So it's just as simple as that, eh? Well, my decadent debutante, you've got another guest coming. You know that you've just wrecked the first job I've been able to land since I left college a year ago?
13: You don't seem to make a bit of sense.
7: I don't, eh? Well, maybe you can understand this. I'm broke. I paid my last cent to buy that hack. And you think you can wreck my taxi, wreck my career, and then simply drive off without so much as... Oh, well, I didn't know the car belonged to you. Yeah. You didn't know it belonged to me? What do you think I've been screaming my head off for, a friend?
13: Well, I I thought it belonged to some big corporation or something, and and they could just sue me, and that'd be all.
7: Yeah, and since it doesn't belong to a big soulless corporation...
13: Oh, I'll fix it up for you. You just have it repaired and send me the bill.
7: And how do you think I'm going to make a living while my cab's laid up in a garage?
13: Oh, I hadn't thought of that.
7: No, no, of course not. You pampered darlings from Park Avenue, get behind the wheels of your high-powered car, step on the accelerator, and then depend on your checkbook to keep you out of trouble. Oh,
13: please. Now, I really am sorry about this. How much money would you want?
7: To, uh, to forget the whole thing?
13: Well, yes.
7: Yeah, you see? You see? The old checkbook complex. You think anything can be fixed by a check? You can't understand the sentiment I had for that car. That car was a symbol to me. A symbol of my emancipation. A symbol. Of... All
13: right, if you're so high minded about money, how do you propose, propose fixing this up?
7: Don't be a sucker. Take the dough. Take the dough. Mac, I'm disappointed in you. Well? Well, here's the situation. It's okay for you to pay for the damages to my car, but I need something to hack in for the next week. So? One solution would be for me to use your car till mine's fixed.
13: What? Why? Well, I never heard of such a thing. This is an important car. It has a custom-built body, made specially for me, Okay,
7: shoes. okay, I'm sorry. I guess I made a mistake about you.
13: A mistake about me?
7: Yes, I thought maybe. I had a little sporting blood in you. A sense of decency and fair play. But I was wrong, I guess. You're no know, different than all the rest of them. Well, get out your checkbook if that's your way.
12: Well,
13: well, if I give you my car to use, how do I know you won't run off?
7: You don't. You have to trust me.
13: All right, then... You can have the car for a week.
7: Well, say, maybe I did misjudge you. Don't
13: bother to change your opinions, because I really don't care what you think anyway. You're an insufferable egotist. Yeah,
7: now you sound more natural.
13: There's one condition of this deal, however. You have to drive me around from 10 to midnight any evening I may need you. Oh,
7: now, wait a minute. I'm not going to be your lackey or show
13: I'll pay you the regular taxi rates. Well,
7: that's different. Is it a deal? It's a deal.
13: Here are the keys. I want you at my home tonight at 10 o'clock. Here's my card with the address. And please come without your usual assortment of sermons, because they're awfully boring. Why, you... You little... Uh, 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 Not in front of a lady, please. You
7: know, somebody should do something about you.
13: Please don't get any illusions about yourself just because I'm loaning you my car. And please be on time tonight. I detest tardy people. Well, goodbye. I'll see you at 10.
7: Well, I'll be... (laughs) Gene, I, I never heard of such a thing. You don't know who this fellow is or anything about him.
13: Here he comes now. At least he didn't run off with my car, as you predicted.
7: Good evening.
13: Good evening. You're right on time.
7: That's right. Uh, take us to the plantation club, please. Right. No, really, Jean, I must protest against. He'll hear you. I don't care if he does. He probably has you down as an easy mark and intense. All
13: right, Philip, I made a mistake. You were right and I was wrong. Now let's forget about it. It's
7: that very attitude I object to.
13: What attitude? The
7: way you say it. I can tell you're just trying to shut me up.
13: For once, you're right, Philip. I am trying to shut you up. Well, you
7: shan't. Not until this thing is thrashed out and you promise to stop all these crazy stunts.
13: Philip, I explained to you. I smashed his cab. It was entirely my fault. I had to help him out, didn't I?
7: Uh, see, we don't seem to be getting any place. No, we don't. Why don't you give up this this aimless sort of life you've been leading? Really, you should marry me. You know, you you need a steadying hand. You need the benefit of my age and experience. Jean. Stop the car! Stop this car at once! Now, come, Jean. We aren't going to ride with this maniac another block.
13: Really, Mister Bannister, you're driving very
5: badly.
7: What in blazes is the idea? Well, I'll explain. You see, we cabbies hear some mighty funny stuff from our customers, but we can't laugh because the customer might get mad. So when I feel an urge to laugh, I just take a corner on two wheels.
13: Well, really, Mr. Bannister, this is too much.
7: Are you going to marry him?
13: I can't see that it's any of your business.
7: But you can't marry that that Stop, short. I'll not stay and be insulted another minute. Come, Jean. He's a bore. Can't you see it, Gene? He's not interested in you except as a fixture priest. house. I demand you discharge this man at once. listen to me. You're young and beautiful and spontaneous. Why, he'll make you old. You interfering busybody.
9: Stop it,
13: both of you. Philip, I'll tell you for the last time, I'm not interested in society. And I don't care what you or anybody else thinks about oh, it. Oh, that's fine. And you. If I'd wanted any advice on running my life, I'd have asked for it. Mr. Bannister, you're fired. Fired? Fired. Now get out of my car. Gene. Get out, both of you. From now on, I'm running my own car and my own life, too.
7: Your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. You know it's a problem sometimes to figure out just how to be sure of holding the interest of a radio audience when a message of real importance is about to be given. I might blow a police whistle or fire off a gun or blast you out of your chairs with a fire siren. But that's taking unfair advantage, I'm afraid. So I'll just repeat, your attention, please, if you own and drive a car. The Chicago Motor Club includes a $1,000 personal accident policy in its membership at no extra cost. With each year's membership renewal, that policy increases in value until in its sixth year, it's worth $1,500. Now, that's a mighty generous insurance policy, friends, and remember, it's included at no extra cost. It provides for payment if a member is killed while driving, walking, or while riding in a car driven by another. Think what that money might mean to your own family. We all know that when unexpected tragedy strikes our grief-stricken families are faced with the added burden of making every dollar count. I wish I had time to tell you real-life instances where the club's personal accident policy has actually saved families from serious necessity and has given them the courage they need at a time of sorrow and stress. This one benefit and protection alone is more than worth the small annual membership fee. Aside from all the other 25 money-saving services, You owe it to yourself and your family to at least read about the Chicago Motor Club's amazing motoring advantages in a free booklet, yours for the asking, without charge or obligation. Now, just to make sure you write the club or call Franklin 1818 tonight, we're going to give you an immediate opportunity a little later on in this program. Between the second and third acts of tonight's play, we'll have a musical intermission instead of our regular announcement. You can use that time to write the club or phone Franklin 1818 and ask for your free booklet without delay or inconvenience. And now the second act of Love in a Taxi. Yes, sir, Mackin, and with those big blue eyes of hers flashing fire, she climbs into her car and drives away, leaving me in the stuffed shirt standing there, open-mouthed. And you ain't seen the dame since? Nope, but I will, because I have a plan. Oh, now
3: look, pal, she'll get you into more trouble. Why don't you call things quit? You got your cab fixed up and a little money left over. You made a profit out of her. What more do you want?
7: I want to marry her. Maybe I'm getting hard of hearing, but it sounded just like you said I want to marry her. I did. I did. I'm in love, Mac. I see her in my sleep. I think of her all day long. Whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute now.
3: I got some advice for you. No,
7: sorry, Mac. All I need from you now is a little help. What can I do? Well, isn't there something you can swipe out of an automobile that'll keep the engine from running? Sure, lots of things. You could swipe the distributor cap. Okay. Can... Now, I want you to swipe the distributor cap out of her car. Yeah. What for? So her car won't run. So she'll have to take a taxi. Oh, I get it. Well, how do you know she'll take your cab? Because, Mac, I'll shadow her. I'll follow her day and night. And whenever she needs transportation, there I'll be. Well, what's that going to get you? I don't know, Mac. I don't know. But it might get me a wife. <laughs>
13: Darn it just when I'm in a hurry. Henry, Henry. Hey, yes, Miss Call the garage and tell them the car won't start. Well, no, right away, Miss i I'll take a taxi. Taxi? Taxi? Yes,
7: yeah, taxi lady.
13: It's a boy plaza, please. And hurry.
7: Yes, ma'am. Yeah, uh, What's going on at the Savoy this afternoon?
13: Why, why tea for Lady Twillam? Why do you ask?
7: Oh, I have a much better plan.
13: You have a pl- Wait a minute. Your voice sounds familiar to me. Would you mind turning around a minute so I can see your face? Why
7: don't we go for a ride up the Hudson? Swell this time of year. Have you ever seen the George Washington Bridge on a day like this? It looks like a Will giant... you please turn around? Hmm? So, it's you. What? Why, Miss Jean Williams... Well, bless my soul, I didn't know it was you.
13: Not much you didn't.
7: You know, I was just saying to myself this morning, Larry, I said this Williams gal really has something, if it could only be brought out.
13: Stop this cab.
7: Oh, now, look, don't be angry. I only wanted to apologize for the other night. No
13: apologies are necessary. I understand perfectly.
7: But you don't. I wasn't trying to tell you how to run your life. Not I was Not much to... you weren't. Every
13: time I see you, you interfere with my plans, and I'll stop this car. I'll not
7: stop it until you listen to me. Hey, wait. What are you doing? I'm going to jump. Don't, don't do that. I'll stop the car. You pig headed little fool. Don't you realize you might have been killed? I ought to spank you. No, no, wait now. I didn't mean to say that. I was upset, that's all. Hey, Gene. Gene, come back. I'll take it, old Lady Twillum's tea. I'll take any place you want to go.
13: yesterday to fix this car?
7: Yes, Miss Jean. It was running like a top last night.
13: Well, it won't run this morning. What did he find wrong with it?
7: He said that uh, somebody must have stolen part of the uh, uh, the ignition system, I think it was. Stolen it?
13: I wonder why anybody would want to see it. Wait a minute.
7: Yes, Miss Jean. I
13: think I'm beginning to see the light. Now, listen, Henry, you call that garage. Tell them that thing's gone again. Yes
7: thieves, you think?
13: Yes, Henry, thieves. Uh, well,
7: uh, shouldn't we, uh, that is, I need to say... Uh... Yes,
13: Henry, we should. That's where I'm going right now, to the police station.
7: I don't like this, Larry. Now, look, you aren't going back on me, are you, Mac?
12: No, no, it ain't that. Well, what
7: is it, then?
3: Well, if the dame ain't giving you a tumble yet, swiping part of her car every night
7: sure ain't going to make her like you none the better. Ah, you don't understand women, Mac. You have to wear some of the stubborn ones down. Yeah. Persistence is what does it. If you keep it up long enough, they begin to say to themselves,
1: Hey,
7: this guy must really love me, or he wouldn't spend all this time chasing me around. Oh, then as soon as they're convinced that you love them, well, then it's no time at all before they fall in love with you. No time at, at
1: all.
7: Yeah? Oh, what's. What happened? I got a shot. He had something hooked up to that distributor cap. The burglar alarm they had hooked up. Come on, let's get out of here. Yeah, and fast. Roll up your hands. The cops. Come on, come on up with them. Now, you see what that dame got us into? Just keep your mouth shut, Mac, and I'll get us out of this. All right, can turn off that alarm. So you're the two that's been prowling in here and committing sabotage. Hey, look here, copper. You can't call me that. All I did no, was... Man. Shut up, you fool. Well, ain't no
3: copper going to call me those kind of names and get away with it.
7: Uh, as a matter of fact, officer, you've made a grave mistake. A mistake, eh? Uh, yeah, we're employees of Miss Williams. You see, this is uh, Jeeves, her mechanic, and I am her uh, her chauffeur. Now, ain't that a likely story? Come on, let's get going. Now, wait a minute, Officer? I tell you, we work for Miss Williams. You take me to jail, and I'll I'll sue you for false arrest. I'll... Now shut up, the both of you. You can save the rest of it for the judge. Well, now, look here, if you don't believe me, why don't you ask Miss Williams herself? That's not a bad idea, and here she comes now. Good
13: evening,
7: Sergeant. Uh, good evening to you, Miss Williams. We caught your thieves, all right.
13: Uh, so I
1: see.
7: Oh, good evening, Miss Williams. This is a joke, eh, what? This bloody constable here, Sick Jeeves and myself, for some interlopers... Comical, don't you think? <laughs> mm.
13: What's he talking about, Sergeant?
7: You got me Miss. Something about his being your chauffeur and the other one there being your mechanic. Yes, I was out here wiping down the cars you instructed, Miss Williams, and Mac, uh, uh, I mean, Jeeves here, came along to tune up the motor when... Well, do they work for you or not, Miss Williams? Of course not. That settles it then. Okay, you mugs, let's go. Hey, cut it out. Who are you
1: pushing?
7: (laughs) That's the good one on you, Sergeant. Okay, Gene, tell him who I am. (laughs) Oh, boy, that was funny. Uh, go on, tell him who I am.
13: How can I? I never saw you before in my life.
7: Uh, oh, now, wait a minute. Hey, I'm sorry for the way I've acted, but don't do this to me. I mean, after all, that would be going a little bit too far, don't you think? Get going, you two. Come on. You aren't going to send me to prison. Tell him who I am. Gene, I'll reform. I'll go to Africa. I'll do anything you want. Gene! Gene! <laughs> the second act of love in a comes to a close. Ladies and gentlemen, before we continue with the third act of tonight's play, we're going to present an opportunity rarely given to radio audiences. The Chicago Motor Club urges you to ask for its valuable free booklet right while this program is going on. You won't miss any of the play, and you won't be delayed or inconvenienced. We'll have a musical intermission right now, giving you ample time to ask for your free booklet. While our orchestra plays, just write down your name and address if you live in Illinois or Indiana and have it all ready to mail to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. If you live in Chicago, simply call Franklin 1818 immediately. Now here we go, friends. A musical intermission while you write the club or call Franklin 1818. 818 the third act of love in a taxi. Mac, if we ever get out of this jail, and if I ever so much as look at another woman... Hi. Hey, I, hey, uh, which one of you is Larry Bannister? I am. Why? All right, well, uh, you got a realtor. Yeah? Who is it? Uh, said her name is Williams. Uh, Miss Williams. Don't know her. Huh? You mean you don't want to That's exactly what I mean. Uh-oh, oh
13: Hello, Larry.
7: Did somebody speak to me, Mac? Yeah, a dame. Oh, a dame, huh? Anybody we know? No, no. Never saw before in our lives.
13: Please, now, I want to talk to you, Larry.
7: Mac, will you explain to the lady that we don't talk to strangers?
13: Now, stop it and listen to me. I, I've come to get you out.
7: You, will you repeat that, please?
13: I said I'm going to get you out.
7: And what occasion, the change of heart?
13: Well, I, I only intended to keep you in jail overnight. I figured it would teach you a lesson.
7: Why, you dizzy dame. Quiet, Max. So you were teaching us a lesson.
13: Well, now, really, Larry, you must admit you needed it.
7: Do you remember once when you told me how you hated people who tried to run your life for you?
13: Yes. Well, then
7: you must know how I feel right now. I hate these smug, complacent people that get you into disagreeable situations and then smirk and say, I did it for your own good.
13: Oh, now, I don't blame you for being angry, but... Angry?
7: I'm not angry. My eyes are open for the first time, that's all. I see now what kind of person you really are. But
13: I'm going to get you out.
7: And you think that makes everything square, I suppose. No, thank you. I'll stay in and serve my 15 to 20 years.
13: (gasps) Oh! Oh, they don't give you that much for stealing a a, a...
7: a distributor head, lady.
13: A distributor head.
7: I don't know what prison sentence I'll get, but it makes no difference. I'd be more able to lead my own life in jail, and I would outside if you got it into your head to do anything more for my own good. And... Oh,
13: now you're talking like uh, a keep stubborn...
7: her Keeper. Keeper. Yeah, well, now, what's all the
13: about?
7: <laughs> Keeper, this lady wants to be shown the way out.
13: Larry Bannister, you are the most stubborn. i Sure,
7: sure. The same to you and many of them.
13: Oh, I... I never want to speak to you again. Never. And
7: keep her. Don't let her in here again. My partner and I need a little rest and quiet.
12: case of the people of the state of New York versus Larry Bannister
7: and Max Simpson.
13: Your Honor, may I speak to you, please? What is
7: it? Who
1: are you?
13: I'm the defend. Uh, I'm the prosecutor... Uh, I'm Jean Williams. Yes? Well, uh, well I've decided to withdraw charges against these two men.
7: Why are you doing that, Miss Williams?
13: Well, I... I just am, that's all.
7: Now, see here, Miss Williams. Yesterday, you charged these men with breaking and entering and with burglary. If these men are criminals, they should be locked up.
13: Oh, they're not criminals, Your Honor. Really, they aren't. Larry Bannister's a very fine Bailey. man. Bailey,
7: he... bring the prisoners before the bar. Oh,
13: please set him free, Your Honor. I only had him put in to teach him a lesson. I had to do something to show him he couldn't interfere in my life. But now...
7: Yeah, and now?
13: Well, now I... I don't mind his interfering.
7: Yeah. I'm beginning to understand this case. Here's the prisoners, Your
13: Honor. Oh, Larry, I... I'm so glad to see
7: you. Yes, I can imagine. You two realize, I suppose, that you were to be tried today on rather a serious charge? Oh, we were framed, Your Honor. This same here... Shut up, Quack. Well, I'll, I'll handle this. It. However, the state star witness, Miss Jean Williams, has decided to withdraw all charges, so I have no alternative but to set you free. Just a minute, Your Honor. My partner and I have suffered both mental and physical anguish because of this arrest. And we'd like to know the reason that prompted Miss Williams to drop the case. Does she not admit that we were employed by her and had a right to be in the garage the night we were arrested? Uh, do you admit that these men were employed by you, Miss Williams?
6: Well, I... I uh...
7: Answer yes or no. Were these men employed by you?
13: Well, yes, Your Honor. That's why I'm withdrawing all charges.
7: Then, Your Honor, I ask that you place Miss Jean Williams under arrest. Oh, uh... Order! Order in the courtroom! Mr. Bannister, on what grounds do you ask this? She's guilty of causing a false arrest, of defamation of character, and of perjury. (coughs) If I was in her employ, as she now says, then she had me arrested falsely and damaged my character. If, on the other hand, I was not employed by her, but actually was stealing parts of her car, then she has just committed perjury.
10: Why, you...
7: In either case, Your Honor... She has committed a crime.
13: Judge, you're not going to believe this. this. Well,
7: now, uh, Miss Williams, uh, Mr. Bannister has a point there. I'd advise you to explain yourself.
6: Oh, I. I never. Well, my
7: little schemer, the tables are turned.
13: Why, you. You horrid thing. I. Oh, I hate you. I hate Miss you. Miss
7: Williams, the court is waiting for your explanation.
13: Well, it. It was this way, Your Honor. I said I employed this this creature because I felt sorry for him and wanted to help him get out of jail.
7: Then he uh, never worked for you?
13: Certainly not.
7: Then you did commit perjury.
13: Oh, is is, uh, is perjury something bad?
7: It's a very serious offense, young lady.
13: Oh, dear. Well, as a matter of fact, Your Honor, I did employ him.
7: In what capacity?
13: Well, as a... Uh... Chauffeur? As a chauffeur.
7: In that case, you lied to the arresting officers and caused the false arrest of the two men. They're entitled to damages from you in such a case.
13: Damages? Well, just how do I... By
7: paying the money. oh Now, wait a minute, Judge. She's one of those women who thinks her checkbook can get her out of any jam. I won't take her money. I wouldn't give her the satisfaction. Now, now, just a moment, Mr. Bannister. If you don't want money from her, just what do you want? I want to teach her a lesson. Oh, I see. And, young lady, you had Mr. Bannister jail to teach him a lesson, did you not?
1: Yes,
12: I did.
7: You're both determined to teach the other one a lesson? Yes. yes. You're both quite angry with the other? Yes. Could it be that uh, you're both uh, in uh, love with each other? Why, that's I'm no in love. No now, order. What? Order in the court. <laughs> well, that's just what I thought. I'll tell you what I'll do. Since both of you have charges hanging over you, I'll suspend sentence and parole you in each other's custody. You you mean I'm to see that she behaves?
13: Oh, no, the judge means I'm to see you behave.
7: You're both to see that you both behave. Well, is that arrangement for life? Uh, Well, uh, now, that sort of an injunction would come from the uh, department on the floor below this. It's marked uh, Marriage License Bureau. On the floor below, did you say, Judge? Uh, That's right. Uh, And, miss it. Come on, you.
13: You can't tell me what to do.
7: I can, too. You're in my custody. You're
13: in my custody just as much.
7: All right, you tell me what to do, then.
13: Okay. Come on, you. We're going to
9: the floor below.
7: The Chicago Motor Club's Wayside Theater presentation of Love in a Taxi comes to a close. Be sure and join the Wayside Theater radio audience again next Sunday evening at this same hour. And now I'd like to emphasize again the importance of the Chicago Motor Club's free booklet. Its very title suggests an interesting story. Spend less to own and drive your car. Now don't fail to ask for that valuable free booklet this very evening. It's yours without the slightest charge or obligation. If you live in Illinois or Indiana, send your name and address on a penny postcard to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. In Chicago, simply call Franklin 1818. Tomorrow evening, ladies and gentlemen, you are invited to hear the Chicago Motor Club's weekly broadcast of the Parker family at 6.30 over WBBM. of tonight's play, you heard our popular stars Patricia Dunlap in the part of Gene and Olin Soule playing Larry. They were supported by Brett Morrison, Frank Dane, Herb Butterfield, and Bill Boucher. This is Vern Smith speaking for the Chicago Motor Club. This is the WBBM Air Theater, Wrigley Building, Chicago.
2: Okay, everybody, last but not least, we're we're putting the finishing touches on my Sunday. We're doing my strawberry and whipped cream. And this week it happens to be, listen up, Victor, Bill Harris and Alice Faye. And uh, those two were married in 1941. And it was after Phil had gotten a divorce. And when they married, they were married 50 years according to what I read. So that always makes me feel good. You know, nobody can nobody could ever put up with me that long, so I just revel in it when somebody else can stay together for fifty years. But anyway <clears throat> this this one is called Will Benny Renew Phil's contract? And uh you know if you ever Listen to The uh, uh, Jack Benny The Jack Benny show well, uh, You know uh, he and Phil are always Going on about something And uh so I guess he decided To have uh Jack on his show once in a while So I hope y'all enjoyed this one Because I did I just love Bill Harris And Alice Faye but there you have it. There's been a while, and a song be your
3: style. You there. You head. You The F.W. Fitch Company presents the Fitch Bandwagon, starring Alice Faye. You'll
12: never know just how much I love you. You'll never know just how much I care. And Phil Harris. Won't
3: you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and brawling ammy, and that's what I like about this song. <laughs> Let's go back to a few minutes ago. The Jack Benny program has just finished, and we find Phil Harris walking down the hall here at NBC. Hooray for Hollywood. Hey, Carl. Hey, Oh, hiya, Frankie. Hey, where you going? Down the hall. Jackson wants to see me. Hey, ukulele Ike. What's the <inaudible> trouble with you, kid? What's the matter? What was wrong with you on the show today? Why? Why? Oh, kid, you're murdering that guitar. <inaudible>
1: <inaudible> Are you sure that
3: that guitar of yours was toned? Tuned? What's that? (laughs) Oh, Frankie, what's the matter with you? Oh, don't pick on me, Curly. I don't feel good. (laughs) I ain't been able to sleep a wink for the past two weeks. Well, then, Frankie, you ought to do something about it. Yeah, maybe I ought to start going to bed nights.
1: (laughs) Frankie, I
3: don't know why I even put up with you You're the worst guitar player I ever heard You're tone deaf, you can't follow the beat And you always play off key
1: Yeah
7: (laughs) Lucky I'm in your band, ain't it?
1: (laughs) All right,
3: all right, forget about it Now look, I want you to hold the band a few minutes Because when I get through with Jackson I want to run over a number Okay, Curly. All right Now let's see Here's Jack's dressing room Hmm.
7: <laughs> Look at this notice on the
3: door. Wanted. Use foxtail for 1919 Maxwell.
8: <laughs> well.
3: If he wants to see me. I guess I better go in. Hiya, Jackson. You sent for me? Oh, hello, Phil. Phil, where are your manners? Don't you know better than to barge into a dressing room without knocking? Well, I'm sorry. I might have been in my slip. My (laughs) undertone. Now, close the door, will you? My head is getting cold. (laughs) Okay. Look, uh, Jackson, uh, you wanted to see me, huh? Yeah, sit down, Phil. I've been meaning to talk to you for some time. But you see, Phil, I... Well, uh... Well, what's up? Well, it's about your contract. Contract? Yes, you know, that piece of paper you have that starts out, to whom it may concern, and ends up with an X. (laughs) Oh, that. Yeah, you see, this is March, and your contract is nearing its expiration. Yeah? When does it (laughs) expectorate? Well, do me a favor, will you? For once, try not to be stupid. Huh? Force yourself. Oh, Jackson. The way you talk, I'm a moron. No, no, Phil, you're not a moron. You haven't made that yet. (laughs) I mean, don't get delusions of grandeur. What do you mean? I ain't got nothing. I'm as healthy as you
1: are. (laughs) I'm
6: not
3: satisfied on my own show. I have to come over here for that. (laughs) What I have
6: to say is. What I have
3: to say is very important. Perhaps it would be better if we discussed it later. Say it's your home. My home? Yeah. You have one, haven't
1: you? (laughs) Oh, of
3: course not. Me and Alice is children of nature. We're two carefree nymphs who gamble on the meadow with gay abandon.
1: (laughs) Phil, remind me not to be invited
3: over here again. (laughs) Where'd you get an expression like that? Well, on my show, I ain't as stupid as I am on yours. (laughs) So far, you've been holding your own, brother. (laughs) Listen, Phil, I'll see you later at your house. Oh, you're coming out the house. Okay, Okay. so long, Jack. Hey,
1: Phil,
3: the band's still waiting. Are we going to run over that number? Yeah, Frankie, wind them up. I'll be right with you. Okay, Curly. Long ago in New Orleans on a little street of
1: dreams.
3: There I heard a crazy bang that was where the blues began. There was Memphis Joe with his hidey-ho moaning on his saxophone. There was slip Slim, you've heard of him and his laughing slide trombone. Peg Leg Pete playing hot and sweet on the bacon powder can. Dancers swayed as they played. That was where the blues began. There was dog Face with his clarinet hitting high notes up and down. Smokey Moke was there with his slick black hair beating his drums like a clown. While the bugger, bugger, bugger of the big brown jugged by a half-cat dressed in jeans. That was where the blues were born in New Orleans. Peg leg Pete and his violin, made of bacon pot of tin,
12: hollers out, let the folks come in.
7: Dog
3: faced Chet and his clarinet, the cutest pair I ever met, broke his reader, I'd been there yet. Memphis Joe and his saxophone Sliphorn Slim and his trombone They tuned up and settled down Then they all went to town There was big nose Tess from the greasy vest, Weeping in her glass of beer There was gambler Jake playing table stakes With a seaboard engineer Natchez Lil, she was dressed to kill Singing love songs about her man As she moaned, people groaned That was how torch songs began Then a cat named Sam in from Alabama Started shooting up the flow. Everybody broke through the pistol smoke fault, the windows and the door. While the roar, roar, roar of the 44 busted up those happy scenes. That was how the blues were born in New Orleans.
9: Yes
6: Hello, Miss Fay.
9: I beg your pardon
6: Miss Faye, don't you recognize me? Julius of the grocery boy
9: Oh, of course, Julius Come in Gee, you're all dressed up You look so nice in that blue suit And your hair all slicked back And your shoes all shine
6: Yeah Now smell me <laughs> Must I? Go ahead, don't be scared I got on some cologne for men only. You have? Yeah. It's called Ned Bull number five. <laughs> Julius, you're not delivering
9: groceries on Sunday.
6: Nah. This is purely a social call.
9: Well, that's nice of you.
6: Yeah, ain't it? You know what I did yesterday? What, Julius? Well, when I heard you was on for fit shampoo, I went out and bought all I could. Just to help you, a good one. You did? Yeah At at home in my room, I got 48 cases of it
9: That's awfully sweet of you, Julius
6: Yeah The only problem is now I have to sleep on the fire escape Oh, that must be Phil Your husband? Mm Mm-hmm Take me in your arms, beloved We shall die together Oh, Julius, don't be
9: silly You run along now, go on
6: Okay, farewell, soulmate
9: Hey, yo. Hey, Bruzio. Come here.
6: Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Harris. Look, what
9: are you doing
3: coming around here on Sunday?
6: Calling on my best girl.
3: Best girl? Listen, Bruzy. Baby Alice is only five years old.
6: <laughs> now beat it. Okay, Mr. Harris. Baby Alice. If that guy ever knew what was going on, he'd blow his brains out. <laughs>
9: Hello, Phil. I heard you drive in. Hiya, kid.
3: Hey, what's up, Jennifer?
9: Well, Jack Benny called you twice. He said he's coming out here tonight. Yeah, I know. I know. He told me. Gee, it's funny, Jack, coming here. He hasn't been to our house since the day we got married. That's right. You know, I've always wondered if he enjoyed himself at our wedding. He acted so strange.
3: Enjoyed himself? Oh, he must have. He's still wearing the shoes he cut off the back of our car. (laughs)
9: idea what Jack wants?
3: No, I don't know what he wants. He said something, I don't know, he was talking about something about next year's program or
9: something. Next year? Oh, Phil, you don't suppose he's thinking of firing me? Nah.
1: Perish
7: <laughs> <laughs> the
3: thought, beautiful. Jackson couldn't operate without Harris. After all, who'd wheel him on and
9: on? <laughs> So sure of yourself. Think it over. What do you actually do on that program? Do? Are you kidding? What do I do?
3: What do I do? Well, I come in there every day and I walk in and I. I. Uh, well, I. And then.
1: Uh, well,
3: uh, you.
9: My, well, my, how do you handle all that in a half an hour?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, I guess you're right. They have been spreading me a little thin over there. Come to think of it, uh, Jackson's a little sore. Anyway, you know he's sore at the band since we did that show from Nashville.
9: What happened there?
3: Ah, wasn't nothing. Only each musician showed up at the broadcast with a coon dog and a jug.
9: <laughs> well, that was awful.
3: Oh, Jackson didn't mind that much, but all through the program, the guys kept spitting watermelon seeds into the tuba.
9: I <laughs> suppose Jack is thinking of dropping you. What are you going to do about it?
3: Oh, dropping me! I can't stand for that. I got to be with him. Hey, look, I got it. Maybe we can play on his sympathy. You know, tell him we're broke or something.
9: Oh, Phil, he'll never believe that. He knows I've been making pictures for years.
1: <laughs> so
9: what? Tell him you blew
3: your wad trying to keep your brother out of Tehachapi. (Laughter)
9: funny, but it so happens to Hatchery is a woman's prison.
3: Well, that's why it costs so much.
1: <laughs> but
3: you know, honey, seriously, I'd feel awful funny about not being with old Jackson. Gee whiz, I've been with him 11 years now. I gotta stay with him, honey. I got to. I... Well, even if it means taking less money.
9: Well, don't... <laughs> Don't feel too badly, Phil. It's always darkest before dawn.
12: Though April showers may come your way, they bring the flowers that bloom in may, so if it's raining, I've no regrets. Because it isn't raining rain, know. it's raining violet. And when you see clouds upon the hill, you soon will see clouds of daffodils. So keep on looking for your people, and listening for his song, whenever April's start, come on. On the hills You soon will see crowds Of daffodils So keep on looking For that bluebird And listening for his song Whenever April showers
9: fuller brush, man. (laughs) Oh, come in, Jack. We've been expecting you. Oh, Alice, I wanted to fool you. Gee, it's good to see you again, Jack. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. Phil's upstairs. I'll call him. No hurry, Alice.
3: I have a nice home here. Tell me, how are your children?
9: Little Alice and Michael. (laughs) No, Jack. Alice and Phyllis. Oh, yes, yes. Phyllis is the girl. No. No, they're both girls. Oh, of course. It is so nice to have one of each. I mean, I mean two, two girls. Why don't you Two sit girls, down. I meant. Why don't you sit down, Jack? Thank you,
3: thank you. My, it's a lovely fireplace, but aren't you folks a little extravagant?
9: Extravagant?
3: Yes, you have two andirons. irons. <laughs>
9: Just make yourself comfortable, Jack. I'll tell Phil you're
3: here. Thank you. My Alice is a wonderful girl. So sensible, too. I wonder if Phil would want to sell her. Oh. <laughs> Thinking of, I get the wildest ideas that I opened that checking
1: account.
3: <laughs> Hope I don't have any trouble with Phil, though, for next season. If he'll just understand my position. After all, I've got a big cast, Mary's mother... And... Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. You're little Alice, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh. You remember me,
8: Uncle Jackie?
4: Oh, yes. I talked to you on the telephone.
8: That's right. I don't believe I know this other little lady.
4: This is my little sister, Phyllis. Phyllis, this is Mr. Benny.
8: Hello, Phyllis. You're not afraid of Uncle Jackie, are you?
4: Are you really, Mr. Benny?
8: That's right.
6: Well, prove it.
3: (laughs) Prove it?
6: Yes, go ahead. Do something stingy. <laughs> you're,
3: you're... You're Daddy's little girl, aren't
1: you? I'm Daddy's little girl.
6: Whose little girl are you? All right.
8: <laughs> Sorry I stopped. Maybe I'll have better luck with the other one. Alice, uh... What do you have there?
11: Our piggy bank. It's full of quarters.
8: Quarters? Well,
3: how'd you get it so full?
11: Everyone who comes to see Mommy and Daddy gives us one. (laughs) Are you going to give us a quarter, Uncle Jackie?
8: Well, I'd like to. Let me see if I have one in my wallet.
11: Oh, look, Phyllis. A pocketbook made like a little mattress.
3: No, no, it's not a mattress, honey. You see, I keep my watch in there, and the ticking fools you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jackson, huh? Oh, my <laughs> Let me
3: see here. I think this is a quarter so hard to tell through the green mold.
11: Put it in the bank, Uncle Jackie.
8: All right. Here you are.
11: Well, drop it in.
8: My fingers must
3: be sticky. I I ate a turkey roll on the way over here. There. Hiya, Jackson. Hey, what are you doing? Robbing my kids? Of course not, Bill. I I just put a quarter in their bank. Oh, shucks. And I missed Haley's Comet, too. (laughs) Don't be so smart, Phil. I would have put in a dollar, but I, I see it won't fit through the slot.
11: It will if you fold it.
1: <laughs>
6: I was talking to your father.
3: <laughs> all right, kids. All right, kids. Now, take your bank and run along, because Uncle Jackie and I got business to talk over. Go on.
11: All right, Daddy.
3: Well, Jackson, what do you want to see me about? Well, it's about the show, Phil. Do you see, uh, next year is uh, is a new season, and after all... You've been with me for 11 years now, and I love Jackson. I can explain about those coon dogs, and anyway, them yeah, them watermelon seeds, why, they gave the tuba a rippling rhythm effect. <laughs> no, no, Phil, it's just that next year. Hold okay. it a minute, Jackson. I got to get the phone. It's in the den.
7: Oh, of
1: course.
3: Right. Hello? Hi, Phil, it's Frankie. Oh, yeah. Hey, I found out why Jackson came out to
1: your house.
3: You did? Yeah, he's afraid of losing you. I overheard him tell his producer he'd do anything to hang on to you for next
8: year.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, Frankie. Oh, this is great. Yeah. You know that Alice and I thought... And I... I hit him for plenty, Phil. Let him have both barrels. He's a sitting duck. <laughs> oh, gee, this is great news, Frankie. Thanks a lot. And look, yeah. I'll let you know how I make out. Okay, Charlie, Bye. So <laughs> Sorry to keep you waiting, Jackson As you know, it's business And uh, now, uh, you were saying... Uh... Yeah, you see, my sponsor renewed my program for next year And I thought I might be able to squeeze you in somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I don't know about next year You know, after all, uh, I got my own show now Well, and... I realize that, Filthy But I might be persuaded to give you uh, a little more money Yeah, well, that's nice, Jackson and Now, look, I... look, look, Phil, look now, I've been paying you $85 a week this
1: year. <laughs> but considering,
3: I mean, after all, you have a wife and two children and prices are a little higher now. Yeah. Next year, I'm prepared to give you an even $90.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 90 bucks?
3: Oh, Jack, that ain't no money. Why, it costs us that just for food. Food?
1: Yeah.
3: Don't you grow
1: anything around here? <laughs>
3: Stop it, will you? And besides, it's plenty expensive bringing up two kids. You mean your children aren't working yet?
1: <laughs> of course they're
3: not working. And anyway, Jackson, you don't need me on your program. You got Dennis Day. What's he got to do with it? Well, you know how he imitates everybody. Well, yes, he's a clever kid. Well, one of your writers told me as soon as Dennis Day gets my voice down pat, you're going to let me go anyway. <laughs> but, Phil, that may take him a year yet. <laughs> you got to stay around to coach him. He can't do it alone. I'm sorry, Jackson. I'm sorry, but it just ain't worth a while for that kind of dough. Phil, you're out of your mind. Think. Ninety dollars a week. Jackson, it ain't enough. Well, I might go just a wee bit higher. I mean, what figure did you have in mind? Fifteen hundred
6: bucks. <laughs> <This? $1>, Fifteen hundred?
1: <laughs>
3: but Phil... Hot shot, Patrillo boy. Fifteen hundred dollars—that's more than I spend in a year. I'm sorry, that's my figure. You can take it to leave it. Now look, Phil. Please, please listen, Phil. Listen, my boy. Listen, listen Jackson, to me. You're hurting me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now look, look, I'm... look. I'm willing to be reasonable. Now I'm a just man. I'm offering you ninety, and you want fifteen hundred. I'll compromise. Compromise? I'll give you ninety-five dollars. <laughs> And your boys can spit in the tuba all they want. I'm sorry, Jackson, It ain't no go. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll hurt myself. I'll give you $100 a week. Well, I don't know, $100 you will give me, huh? Yeah. Well, I don't want to put you in no spot because you need me, but... Uh, so I'll tell you what I'll do. Just to help you out, I'll take it. Thanks, Phil, it's a deal. You have my word on it.
9: Do you two businessmen mind if I come in? Oh, not
3: at all, Alice. Come right in. Phil and I have just come to terms. Everything is settled and hunky-dory.
9: Oh, I'm so glad. Phil said he'd feel terrible if he wasn't part of your show next year. Did he? Mm Mm-hmm. Why, he told me now that he has his own show, he'd even take less money. (laughs)
1: Less? Money? In that
3: case, the deal is off. But, Jackson, we settled on 100 I don't care. You gave me your word. Bill Harris, don't pull that on me. You've been with me long enough to know my word doesn't mean a darn thing. <laughs>
1: but,
3: Jackson, All you. All right, said... go ahead. See if I care. Starve next year. Starve? Oh, come now, Buster. This wife of mine has money upstairs we ain't even counting. minute.
9: <laughs> doing fine on his own Look, show. wait a
3: minute. Besides, now, Dennis but... Day promised me two guests. Wait a minute, <laughs> Phil. Not
6: only that, Bill has six pairs of yellow shoes. But Don I just made five new records. Wait a minute!
1: <laughs>
3: All right, I'll do it. You're not worth it, but next year I'll pay you $100 a week. Well, that's more like it. Thanks. Gee whiz! I'm glad there's no hard feelings. I'll have to be going now. Okay, I'll walk you to the door. All right, I'll let myself out. <laughs> By the way, Phil. Yeah. The uh, first week, your check will be ninety nine seventy five. <laughs> What's that for? Put a quarter in your kid's bank.
9: (laughs) Gee, Phil, it was nice of Jack Benny to drop over here today. Yeah, but I think all that talk about money got
3: him a little rattled.
1: Rattled? Why? Well, he
3: just walked out smoking a bottle of Fit Shampoo. (laughs) week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch bandwagon with Alice Faye and Phil Harris. This program was written by Joe Connolly and Bob Moser, directed by Paul Phillips, with original music composed and conducted by Walter Sharp. Included in the cast were Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Tetley, and Elliot Lewis. Alice Fay appears to the courtesy of 20th Century Fox.
8: Jagmany appears to
3: the courtesy of Lucky Strike Cigarettes. They're so round, so firm, so fully packed,
1: so free and easy. I'll never to the ground He'll never fall to
3: use Bitch's Ideal Hair Tonic daily. It makes your scalp tingle with that feeling of new life and test. Bitch's Ideal is not sticky or greasy, so pep up your scalp and give your hair that well-groomed look with Bitch's Ideal Hair Tonic. Bill Foreman speaking.
7: This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
2: Well, folks, as bad as I hate to, I'm gonna have to say goodbye, and hope that y'all enjoyed this show, and I hope y'all had a happy New Year. Um, I didn't do anything special, but uh, I don't usually, unless somebody just comes up and uh, and we plan something to do together, but because uh, I'm not really a big New Year's person, um, but. Okay. I mean it doesn't depress me or anything like uh some of the other holidays maybe so. But anyway, uh just I just wanted to um say that I hope y'all did have a happy new year, whatever you did. And if you want to get in contact with us to so leave comments or whatever, if you want to contact Victor on Facebook it's whose blind life is it anyway. Uh, if you want to contact me on Facebook it's just Monica Jones. If you want to email Victor it's whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com. If you want to email me, it's coffeegal62 at gmail.com. C-O-F-F-E-E-G-A-L-6-2 at gmail. Um, if you want to tweet Victor, he is at blindwhos, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E If you want to tweet me, I'm Moni60. M O N N I six zero. And I think that just about does it, folks. Be sure and you know let us know how you what you like, what you don't like, what you wish I would do, what you wish I wouldn't do, and um, I'll try to see what I can do. So, bye-bye for now.